0: Hey, how's it going, universe? Welcome to another episode of ZooBox Goes to the Movies. This week, we're going to be looking at two movies. And to help me, uh, Jeremy of Jeremobi fame, find his at uh, Jeremobi on Twitter. Jeremobi is his YouTube channel. How's it going, Jeremy?
1: It's going pretty well, Sean. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate to, to not be infected with any sort of rage today. Well, so you took, uh...
0: I took my Valium just before I came on because I am. i am definitely infected with rage on a constant basis and i have to medicate myself with valium (laughs) to stay straight you know to stay just normal to stay neutral
1: yeah this one hour or two hour conversation is going to be your solace for the for the night
0: yeah exactly exactly uh so obviously if you don't know the reference we are talking about uh 28 days later
2: in the blink of an eye they're infected the virus Drug. The, blood. the blood. There's something in the blood. The devastation spread, and the world he knew was gone. No! 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 He thinks he's alone, but he's not. They wake up today in hospital. Bye. days later. Rated R starts Friday only in theaters.
0: And 28 weeks later. I think we'll probably end up talking more about 28 Days Later. Um, But we're going to be talking about both of them kind of probably intermittently. And uh, this film came out in 2002. It's directed by Danny Boyle. This was his fifth film. It's written by Alex Garland, which is, uh, if people don't know, big sci-fi writer nowadays. Uh, He directed Annihilation a couple years ago. He had a fantastic series, actually. It was one of my favorite things uh, of the past couple years, a TV show on Hulu called Devs.
2: I work all day and get half drunk at night. Waking at four to soundless dark, I stare. Till then I see what's always really there. Unresting
1: death.
0: I don't know if you've seen that. It's really it's excellent. If I you like, like you. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If you like Alex Garland and you like the kind of material, the kind of topics he explores, it's well worth your time. Um, yeah, and this was their second time working together. They had worked together on a movie called The Beach, which Alex Garland adapted from his own novel. Uh, that's where, they, and they had a working relationship for a couple of years. I think because they did The Beach, they did Twenty Eight Days Later, and then they did Sunshine a few years after this, I believe. Uh, the film stars. Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris, Christopher Eccleston, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Stuart McQuarrie, Megan Burns, and others. The logline plot synopsis on old IMDb here is, four weeks after a mysterious, incurable virus spreads throughout the UK, a handful of survivors try to find sanctuary. So yes, now we're off to the races. So this was a viewer request. It was requested by, uh, I think, Maverick, who's watched us for a couple years. He's from the UK, so he probably wants to hear what a couple of Yanks think. (laughs) <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of this kind of a very well i do think it's like generally a universally kind of understandable thing it does feel very specific to the uk it feels very like british centric yeah um you know just because of the landscape the places they go the kinds of cars they drive i don't know stuff like that sure. but um anyways so geez how old were you when this came out you must have been like what like 10 this was 2002,
1: right? So yeah. I would have been uh yeah, like se- 7
0: or 8, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> I was in I think I was uh in of sophomore or maybe going into junior year of col or of a high school. Mm-hmm. And um I saw it opening weekend. I saw it with everybody. Big crowds and stuff like that. Did you see this when it came out, Jeremy? Oh, uh, unfortunately
1: my uh I, we were, we were religious at the time. So no, I did not see this one in theaters as a, as a young lad.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. So were you guys religious? I mean, not to pry too much, but were you guys religious in the sense that you just like didn't watch like genre movies and stuff like that? Your parents, well, I mean, you were eight years old, so it's not like you would be, yeah, come on, Jeremy, let's watch 28 days later. But (laughs) well, it's, it's it's fine. I I tell people this, like, uh, uh, so I was, I grew
1: up Mormon actually. Um, Okay. uh, but, uh, my parents were actually pretty liberal about what I could watch. Generally, I mean, they let once I was like about ten, like they were okay with a lot of R-rated stuff. So yeah, it, at that point, it didn't yeah. really matter. I, um, but uh, 28 days later, like this, I have an interesting like uh, memory of when my dad bought this at an old like CD shop. Uh, it would have been back in like 20, uh, 2010,
3: 2011.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he was just like eyeing it and like looking over and reading like the pamphlet and whatnot. I go up to him and ask, like, well, what's that movie about? He says, oh, it's about a bunch of angry people in London. I'm like, okay, can I, can I watch it with you? He's like, yeah, and uh, we, we, we popped it in the, the DVD player that, later that night, and it was just a, it, I didn't know what to expect going in when I just looked at the cover, because it really does hide so much of what to expect, the DVD case. I don't know what the Blu-ray looks like, but... Um,
0: Actually, it looks exactly the same, Jeremy. <laughs> hell yeah.
1: <laughs> uh... And, you know, it reinvigorated, like, a love for zombie films. Um, so. Well, so I
0: was going to ask you, like, you know, because so, okay, so you came to it, you ended up watching when you are a teenager. I saw it back yeah. when I was, I, I was probably around the same age just back in 2002 when I watched it. And I was already kind of a genre fan, like, probably not as deep as I became in later years. I would say 28 Days Later is definitely something that probably – got me into zombie stuff because it was there was a resurgence there was a brief resurgence there was like a five-year period where they were just making zombie movies that's when you know Zack snyder's Dawn of the dead remake comes out 28 days later comes out romero comes back and does land of the dead and then diary of the dead and survival of the Dead*. we don't need to talk about this um <laughs> but so there was just like in you could go to the movie theater and see zombie movies again for the first time in what felt like probably 15 years and um yeah and it really was It was, I mean, and I was also a young kid. I, I, you know, had aspirations to be a filmmaker. Uh, Hearing that Danny Boyle made it, shot it all on mini DV. That was also a fad at the time. Um, And that's always, you know, Danny Boyle, if you go through his filmography, he's always doing interesting stuff with tech, with uh, camera tech and doing things. I mean, you know, he comes back to the prosumer stuff when he does 127 hours, like a decade after this. Um and so I was just kind of interested on that aspect. And when, when I went to go see it, you know, you find, like, such a impactful, visceral experience. And uh, definitely, like, formed, I think, a lot of my tastes and what I expected out of zombie movies for a while. So I was probably, like, you know, watching some of the older stuff. It's probably led me to unfairly judge a lot of movies. Because my expectations were kind of set by 28 Days Later of, like, what I thought is, like, a serious, hardcore zombie movie should be. You know? Sure and um but what were like so what was your kind of experience like so you were like like around like 16 or so you had to watching it for the first time where you're already into zombie flicks and stuff like that or no yeah i mean i
1: i i've always had like a love for horror when i was by the time i was like about seven or eight years old i just when i i saw like uh posters for you know friday the 13th mm-hmm. and things like that i'm like oh man this is like some other territory that like i'm supposed to or i'm not allowed to touch or go near and i just when I when I could like sneak it sneak watch it on cable like when my parents were oh, asleep yeah. or whatever I would just for a while like I felt like such a re- rebellious like little kid and then when I turned ten and I watched the thing with my family it was like oh I don't yeah want to be rebellious
0: anymore yeah it um, was I had a very similar experience I was very like traditional Catholic Grace, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually a uh, frequent guest on goes to the Movies Dan Prophet, he was actually his family was Mormon so
1: okay nice All right. yeah uh, but we, in regards to twenty eight days later um yeah i mean by that point by the time i'd seen it i'd seen like the classic zombie stuff uh yeah night of the living Dead, or even like going farther back i'd seen like bella lugosi's white zombie yeah um, it was just on tv and like oh this is mm-hmm. interesting it's the guy that plays dracula yeah exactly <laughs> uh, yeah uh but this it's, it's ironic that this like respawned to that that uh, resurgence of that subgenre because ironically they're not even zombies in no. the movie and that's what, <laughs> that's what that's what that was my big takeaway like oh you can make a a virus themed film without it having to be people coming back from the dead, you know, it, you can make it something that's just more impactful and, and rageful and having, you know, these creatures that aren't like walking and, 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 yeah, or exactly. are, are sprinting at you and are going to tear you apart.
0: Well, it's interesting because the, what they use as a, as a jumping off point for like the zombie virus, or whatever, or the rage virus is Ebola.
2: We evaluated overall trends in deaths due to infectious diseases looked at in this way, infectious diseases haven't gone away. They have increased as a cause of death in recent years after
4: decades of decline. The threat to us at the moment from infectious diseases is probably as big as it's ever been and getting worse.
2: The threat of infection to human mortality on a worldwide scale is still very great. We have to anticipate that there will be a major pandemic. At some stage, there will be many deaths associated with that.
4: Yeah, I remember actually when I was at secondary school and my, my teacher was saying that, you know, we shouldn't worry about global warming or any of these things. She said, you should worry about viruses. And that, for some reason, has always stayed with me. There's something very interesting happened while we were filming. There were two German scientists who um, created a totally synthetic um polio virus. But they got all the material off the web. This is the new fear, isn't it? You know, even in weapons of mass destruction, what everybody's really worried about is the anthrax, smallpox, those kind of things. Infectious diseases are indeed the new paranoia that's striking Western society. It is this fear of invisible threats to you, you know, just something there in the air, waiting to strike. If you forget about a disease
2: and consider it beaten, then um, the organism will take the opportunities which you increasingly offer it.
0: That's what they used. Okay. That's what they. That's what they modeled it after, and how that affects human beings, and how it's it's uh, uh, transferred between people and stuff like that is through blood. And so that that's what they use as a jumping off point. Because I think at the time, like in the early two thousands, uh, you know, because this was filmed right before nine eleven happened. I know post 9-11 there was like anthrax scares and stuff like that. But there was a sense of kind of communicable diseases. That was something that was kind of going on in the world. You had like mad cow disease around this time. Um, bird flu, avian flu was around around this time as well. So it was kind of in the air. Like the interest was there in the public. They were kind of primed for something like this. Which made it, coming back to it now, <laughs> after the past couple of yeah. years we've had, <laughs> you're like, oh wow, this is like not that crazy. Because I remember back when I was a kid, I was like, 28 days. I'm mean, like, everything fell apart in 28 days. Like, there's nothing left in 28 days. And now, after the past couple of years, I was like, oh, there'll probably be nothing left in about yeah. two days. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, uh, it'll
1: just fix itself in 28 weeks. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what's the numbering
0: here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I wish, oh, my God. Well, we'll get into that later. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so coming back to it, it felt very prescient, like in a way that it really hadn't ever hit me before uh, because we kind of lived through, not obviously this, but we've lived through the idea of, of viruses and being afraid of people and social contagion. That was another thing Alex Garland was very interested in was like the social contagion aspect of it and just about kind of um, uh, the increasing casual aggressiveness of western culture that's the way he looked at it it was like you know the violence in media and stuff like that and even in the beginning of the movie that's kind of what they they start framing it with that right cuz you see all this what looks like post apocalyptic footage of riots and violence and all the stuff that's happening around the world only to reveal that that's just stuff that's on the news like yeah. in, in before this virus gets out and they're they're making they're making chimps watch it yeah. Monkeys watch it uh, while they're trying to develop this this uh, Ebola-like virus, doing gain-of-function research, I guess you yeah. call it. <laughs> and this
1: pisses off PETA.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it pisses off the PETA the PETA guys. And they always come and they fuck it up. They're yeah. busting in there. Uh, it's actually reminded me of a. It's a really dumb, dumb thing to remind me of. But uh, have you ever seen Jane Silent Bob Strike Back? <clears throat>
2: I am the master of the clit. Remember this fucking face. Wherever you see clit, you'll see this fucking face. I make that shit work. No one rules a clit like me. Not this little fuck. None of you little fucks out there. I am the clit commander.
1: It's been so many years, but yeah, oh, good, good for you,
0: by the way. Um, but yeah, yeah, they go and they they break into a facility and break out all the animals. Oh, kind of, it's like if it went wrong, this is what would happen. um yeah. And it's actually a really great introductory scene. And that's one of the things I actually really like about 28 Days Later is the structure of it and how well it kind of uh, introduces you to the world, what is happening, and all of the rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, with the first 20 minutes is all world building. It's all there to set up the rules. And then the movie kind of plays out in a way that it both can adhere to them and then subvert them when things go wrong. And you have characters kind of having to like, deal with the fact that, oh, we kind of know this, and we know we shouldn't do this, but we have to do it because of the circumstances we're in, and it kind of builds a natural tension and drama that I think a lot of horror movies don't do. And it's something, actually, that the sequel, 28 weeks later, in my opinion, completely fucking fails at.
1: Oh, it completely screws it up. it does a full-on just, like... 180
0: <laughs> yeah it's insane like i was like uh the first act of not to skip too far ahead but tw- the yeah. first act of 28 weeks later is excellent and it sets up yeah. a, a very interesting movie that never happens yeah. B- but uh we'll get there yeah. um so yeah so i don't know do you have any like what like the so let's just talk about the first act like the yeah, first act sure. of, up to them basically meeting uh frank so what did you think about you know, the characters setting up the world, like, how they, they divvied that stuff out. Like, what were your impressions of it? Well,
1: yeah, I mean, like, I guess starting from even just, like, once it cuts to Jim, and, and this was, like, the first big shock. And not that I hadn't seen at a young age movie to just <laughs> want to film, but it's like, oh, not shit. Not that shit. I had yeah.
0: never seen a male penis. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk about it so awkwardly now. Yeah. <laughs> uh no but it, like as you know when you see that like as one of your first big wide shots you're just like whoa that threw yeah. me off, off course but you know i i, I was not familiar with Killy murphy this was probably the first film i'd seen
0: him in before yeah i think and, it was most people's first film i think he had done like two bit parts before this
1: yeah and that might have been a danny boyle decision to mostly have a cast of unknowns to kind of or yeah grounded yeah um i like it when directors do that too um and you know the, I, I would say you know the, the the big thing that people remember i think from 20 days later is just the barren wasteland of london just the empty streets mm-hmm. that you see the tumbleweeds and just the all the rolling plastic and things left over and just not a sound not a car i mean cars honk they can still work but um you know it, it, there's just it's there's nobody you know that he can tell and he's constantly yelling out hello hello A common greeting shared amongst every culture, amongst every part of the world. You know, you expect a response and no he doesn't get it right away. Um I think all of that I think is the one of the perfect setups. You know, it's really it
0: because it's immediate, That's... you immediately understand the stakes, either yeah. without before you're told like what's going on. Yeah, and we get that. Like, I think the opening scene with the uh, with the chimps is great. I think it's a great opening scene. Yep. Um. Then you have like the panic doctor who basically exposition dumps, but does it in a way that doesn't feel like it's exposition exposition yeah, yeah. jumping because he's trying to appeal to their rational selves. But like you can't do this. They're <laughs> they're contagious. The chimps are infected.
2: They're. They're highly contagious, they've been given an inhibitor. Infected with what? In order to cure, you must first understand. Infected with what? Rage. (laughs) What the fuck is talking about? Get the cages open! No! 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 Uh, Listen, you sick bastard, we're going and we're taking your torture victims with us. We're going to get you out of here. Listen, the animals are contagious. The infection is in their blood and saliva. One bite! Stop! Stop! You
0: have no idea! Um, yeah, but it's so great. Yeah, you immediately understand what's going on. It's actually, I think, Robert Kurtzman, the guy who did the, The Walking Dead, I think he completely lifted this from 28 days later okay yeah yeah. i don't know if you've ever read the comic books i used to i read them like years ago until i found out that they were never gonna stop and i was like okay i'm, I'm good yeah. um but and i think even the tv show basically has the same very similar opening like similar thing that happens to the lead character because uh, it is it's such a great way it's a it's a shortcut yeah you get to be like mise-en-scene you just throw your main character into something that's already happening yeah. and uh and then you get to explore that reality through his eyes right and and so it makes it okay that people are explaining things because he's the audience avatar and, um, and
1: it, it addresses too like this is just a small tidbit but like he was in a coma so obviously he would be very hungry and thirsty immediately just chugs pepsi or yeah yeah and, yeah, and then yeah. starts collecting whatever he can when he sees like what has the world come to what
0: have i missed <laughs> well it's a great scene actually the scene when he he stumbles into the church Like, it's a great scene, it's a great little moment, like, great little freaky, terrifying moment.
4: Hello?
2: Hello? Water. Oh, are you okay? Oh, I
3: shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't
0: have done that. Yeah. i uh just like, holy shit. <laughs> like you yeah. go in there, you think people are just in there sleeping or whatever. And, uh, yeah. And it's a lot of crazy stuff and danny boyle did a lot of homework about kind of um, like fallen states third world stuff a lot of like or uh past pandemic like a lot of photography and stuff because there's a lot of shots and a lot of references to that that kind of stuff throughout history that people might have been subconsciously familiar with maybe not consciously know that they like mm-hmm. under like seen that image before yeah. But like you kind of subconsciously remember it just probably from being in school or whatever, and it's it's incredibly effective.
1: It yeah. is, yeah. I thought well, it, it really was. I, I didn't know how much it indirectly like influenced my early home movies and home videos because I was shooting on high eight and mini D V yeah. longer than some of my peers were. I didn't make the conversion to H uh, D until gosh, I won't I want to say not till like twenty yeah, till like twenty ten or so. Yeah. I was I, I was just filming on unless old school tapes and uh, I realized, you know, oh, and ever I think back to twenty-eight days later, I was doing Dutch angles, kind of like what I was seeing in the film, or uh, kind of still stick to that grainy look. I, I wasn't lighting things very well at the, at a young age, but I was still trying to like remember, just like just framing yeah. devices with those cameras. Yeah, it exactly. was, it was Inspiring. I
0: don't know. You no, know, totally. And that was one of the the draws of the movie itself for me. I mean, I was I would watch anything that I saw. Somebody said that was shot with a prosumer camera because I was like, okay, I can get a prosumer camera I have a mini DV like camcorder. I have a high Sony Camcorder like I could I think I could do this, right? Yeah, like uh, Obviously not, you know, obviously <laughs> they're they're working with a little bit. They always say that's like, oh, we shot this on an iPhone you find out they use like a $60,000 lens. Yeah, like, you're like, okay guys,
1: Thank you. <laughs> but like, that, um, that's a big Soderbergh thing. Uh, he he oh, seems yes. to just like jump into his iPhone on random movies.
0: Was <laughs> it? I think he did Unsane. That was all shot on an iPhone. Yeah. And yeah. Um, oh, what was something? There was another movie that was. Oh, Tangerine. Did you ever see Tangerine?
1: Uh, Tangerine was good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sean Baker. Actually, he's 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 a great director. Actually, but uh, yeah. That and uh, Florida Project. I don't think he used. I think he used regular cameras for the Florida yeah. Project, but um but the looks are great he captured a really great look um yeah yeah so i was i was just like you just super like interested in it just for that how did you feel about it coming back to it though like watching did you watch it on i assume you watch it streaming right
1: uh i still have the 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 dvd that same oh, dvd so you, did
0: you watch the dvd
1: yeah because it comes with the, the commentary track as well yeah. and then the two alternate endings as yeah. well yeah
0: yeah, well, um, I was going to ask, because I watched the Blu-ray, and I know yeah. that it's on HBO Max right now, so I just didn't know if you'd watch it there. Um, and it looks awful <laughs> uh, <laughs> on a 65-inch TV on high def. It looks fucking terrible. Yeah. And, and I was just like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. Like, this was a cool experiment at the time. And I yep. don't know, but then I watched 28 weeks later, and that was not done in that. That was done kind of like a normal movie. Sure. And I was like, well, that movie looks like shit, too. So I don't know. <laughs> but there was just something like it's like I intellectually I understand what, why he did it. And he did it to like have the, the feeling of a home movie. That's like part yeah. of why they did that. Actually, I watched the movie just for a little side tangent. I watched the movie that used uh, prosumer cameras really effectively. And I think for the same reason that Danny Boyle did. I watched that movie Open Water. good question. As we are stuck in the middle of the ocean. Oh God! Oh.
3: Oh, it's okay. It's okay. This <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh. can't be happening. Oh, my God. oh. 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 Susan! Mm-hmm. Susan! Oh god, something's rubbing against my foot. Are you alright? Did that?
1: It's be okay. Remember that yeah, shark yeah. movie, Open Water? I, I saw you watch that, and I, I want to revisit that one again, too, because I remember it also had that same home movie quality to it.
0: Because and it, and it, it's not like a found footage movie. It's not it's like a regular narrative but the actual the texture of the home movie especially for that one actually really works and yeah. really brings yeah. you into the feeling of it probably actually more successfully than 28 days later does cuz 28 days later is still very cinematic it's just using that cam- that you know using mini dv mm-hmm. uh, rather than um rather than regular cameras but they're kind of still doing the same things with it like that you would do like what you would th- trying to achieve the same kind of shots and stuff that you would with a regular film camera. Uh, whereas something like open water is very like floaty and kind of all over the place. Kind of. It's never like annoying, but like it does give you that sense. It feels like oh, somebody's just filming them. And then it actually works in its favor in that case. Uh, this one I I just I was a little bit distracted at times, especially in the darker scenes. Like it, it actually really yeah really kind of made it hard to see but you know that's also it's kind of part of the texture of the movie so i don't i don't hold it against it in any major way but it's just something i kind of noticed i just wondered how you felt about it but if you watch the old dvd i guess you know well yeah i was
1: gonna uh add to that you know i i can't imagine how ugly it must look in some scenes just in 1080p kind of quality I, I, i couldn't watch it like that if i could um yeah, I watched it on DVD because it was at the time formatted for that type of disc. Yes, and and VHS too, while it was still around. But um, uh, yeah, and I think that lent to. I, I personally like the aesthetic enough just because it's so relatable. I mm-hmm. think that's kind of also yeah, what, as we were saying, what Danny Boyle was kind of going for, um, and it's just it's got such a unlike you know, on like 35 millimeter or maybe even maybe more extreme, like 16 millimeter film, which has also got this earthiness to it. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about digital video, but it has this specific type of grain. That's just so uh, specific. It, it's specific and, and, yeah. and, and feels like you're, you're
0: more immersed in there. Like, I don't It just, well, it's also like, you know, cause so many people and one of the great effects of it. And it obviously for people like ourselves that were, were young kids, we were filming stuff we very familiar with what it looked like, so it felt like even more relatable. But most people, right, they're watching home movies. Mm-hmm. So they're watching, you know, their bar- family barbecues and vacations and stuff like that on that same kind of stock. So it immediately kind of it's almost like breaks the fourth wall and like really invites you in and makes it just feel more real. Yeah, like, And I assume that's what they were going for. I would assume, you know. It is also very limiting because you
1: find out on set, uh, you know, a lot of the actors were very new to working around that kind of format as well. They sometimes didn't know when they were blocking their scenes if they were in a wide and how much exposure they were getting because... You know, when you're working with digital you're only so limited. You don't get to really play around with lenses as much, and no. depending on the camera, but you don't. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they had some sort of rigs and stuff for some sure. of that stuff. I'm sure they did, because I mean, there's even crane shots and shit in this. But yeah, yeah. Um, but although I've seen, I've seen like documentaries of people that shot films on mini DV that just like bought a crane for the day yeah and there's somebody like sitting on the boom on the chair with their little (laughs) fucking sony handycam on the top like zooming in i don't know Um, there's
1: a there's a funny um uh 20 minute uh making of documentary that kind of goes with this this film and i forgot that there was like a period i don't know why this was the aesthetic choice but you know when there's sit-down interviews with cast and crew members for whatever reason, they decided to just kind of cut and shake the camera around a little bit, just to kind of get like filming their hands yeah. or something. He's like, You're not even focusing. Cinema <laughs> Verite, the- dude. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I remember, yeah, it was everything was like uh, extreme, right? Yeah. Like everything yeah. was just like, Oh, yeah, we're going to have our little EPK behind the scenes thing. Yeah. Like Matt would be like the movie.
1: Yeah. yeah. Audacious, <laughs> <laughs> radical. Yeah. Still. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I know, I know. I noticed that too because I watched the uh, the special features this morning, actually, uh, for Twenty Eight Days Later, and it was, and it's funny because it's such a dated like making of. You know, it's got like the British television woman like narrating it and stuff.
4: Twenty Eight Days Later is a terrifying new thriller from Danny Boyle,
0: the man who brought us Train Spotting. It was, I don't know, it was funny. just don't because they don't make stuff like that anymore they don't even when you go buy movies like boutique label stuff they just like dump a bunch of raw interviews as special features it's been very disappointing you know what i mean
1: yeah well because it's all going to youtube now with like vanity fair and all these other entertainment channels and such and it's just like i don't want to look at these actors like reading tweets (laughs) it's just like
2: (laughs) (laughs) i'm so hyped right now everything has changed have y'all ever seen tron The end of the Tron, where everything light up.
1: This is all
4: in caps, by the way. This is very important to know.
0: You know, like who is what? Really? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Every once in a while, though, I'll get sucked into a hole where I'm like, why am I watching, like, actors interviewing actors for five hours? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, before I know it, it's like three in the morning. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I did not need to know what Jonah Hill thought about this. I just didn't. Yeah. Here I am. Um... But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it like for all that kind of stuff, it definitely feels like of its time. Very much. It very much puts it in a time and a place. Um more so than I mean, I guess, you know, all movies have like a certain they bring a certain sense of the history of when it was made with it, you know, style choices, trends, etc. But this one even more so because of the mini D V. Like it really to me, it really reminds me of being a teenager. And yeah. and uh, really puts me in that kind of headspace in terms of of uh, just the verisimilitude of of the of the way the stock looks. Um, and I thought like overall it's pretty effective. It is it, mm-hmm. it was a little distracting though watching it in HD. I don't really recommend. I don't think you should watch Twenty Eight Days Later <laughs> in HD on a big screen TV. Like I don't.
1: I I'm such a purist too with something like The Evil Dead. Like I love that on VHS. It's hard for me to watch it in any other more polished. Really? Well, it just yeah, it's like it just has that kind of quality to it that I don't want to I just don't want to see it cleaned up.
0: <laughs> see, I've had I've watched like I've like Evil the Evil Dead series is like one of my all-time favorites. I've bought it on every single format that's come out. I used to have the VHSs and I had the DVDs and I had the Blu-rays and now I have the 4Ks. Um you know, surprisingly enough though, dude, the Evil Dead 2 4K is a pretty awesome 4K. Okay. I mean, surprisingly enough cuz they didn't clean it up. Like, Mm. it's not cleaned up in the sense of like there's no grain or anything like that. No, it looks, it looks, it looks like exactly like you think it would. Or it should look, actually. They like maintain the integrity of it somehow. I don't know. It was cool. I was pleasantly surprised by it because I ended up just buying it because I'm a, I had to. I felt like I had, it's like my catcher in the rye. You know, I got to buy it. Yeah. So I don't, so I don't do anything stupid. (laughs) But I
1: I had a similar reaction. Sorry, I got a bug on my screen. Uh, (laughs) Um, I had a similar reaction to uh, *Night of the Living Dead* when the Criterion released yeah. that one because the quality of it actually looks like it was shot not too long ago. If you really, yeah, no, it looks look great. At it. The yeah, texture is amazing.
0: Yeah, no, it is. It is. Well, I mean, they you know shooting on film. That's why, like, when I buy 4Ks, I don't really care about new movies. I like buying old movies, like anything from like the f- 1945 to like uh, to like 1990. Yeah. Usually, like you'll get like a really great transfer, especially you know people at home. Warner Brothers does actually really great work uh, with their transfers, uh, with their 4Ks. Warner Brothers generally tend to be really, really, really good. Um, but anyway, that's little little movie collecting tangent for you there. Yeah, we, we, got, it we got it all. <laughs> <laughs> got it all. Got throw it in there. <laughs> um. So and then after that, so you know we go through that where they you kind of meet the characters. You meet Selena and you meet I think the guy's name is Mark. Yeah, um, and then they go back to Killian Murphy's family's so like parents' house, and you kind of, and then you also get more world building there because you see like the devastation that's that's actually happened and the the lengths people would go. You find out Killian's parents, or uh, Killian Murphy's parents, Jim's parents, rather, uh, committed suicide. Bed together. It's like, you know, it really kind of I I guess it's a way to drive home like this personal drama, but also kind of tell you how people felt in the world, you know, and reinforce almost like you know, Selena's kind of paradigm where she's like really cold and put off. Because that's another thing. It's like the 28 days thing. Did you ever feel like, like I said, kind of at the top, like, do you did you ever feel like like it was that's not long enough time for this to be believable,
1: I mean, if you were to ask me like that question like pre 2020 I mean I'd, I'd have uh, to I, I don't know it pro- probably not you know, I'd say like it would probably take a little bit longer um,
0: but yeah, but after the cu- past couple of years you see people just yeah immediately go crazy, yeah yeah,
1: yeah, and it's like it, it's almost kind of daunting how which the movie indirectly kind of predicted even the making of kind of talked about this too a little bit, but just where we were going to be headed.
0: <laughs> well, because it's interesting. Cause like, you know, this communicable disease thing has been a thing since the nineties and it's every once in a while, like I t- talked about early on in the podcast, like it'll come back in the news. It'll be come back in the zeitgeist. Like we had an Ebola scare in 2010, I think. Yeah. Um, and even the people, that were like running the CDC and stuff at the time, uh, they did like a post mortem on it, like in 2014 or 2015, and they're like, "Oh yeah, if that was if that it was actually bad, we would have been fucked. We would have really fucked it up." Yeah, that's what they were saying. They were saying like, "Oh no, if that was really like a bad disease, like that could have spread and killed people, we would have fucked it up," mm-hmm. based on like what happened. Um, so yeah, it is. It's it's very pressy. It's like eerie a little bit yeah yeah it's a little eerie (laughs) but yeah going to that scene though
1: again where they they revisit jim's home um it's so sentimental and and quiet and uh not a lot of words are spoken which i kind of also like there's no big exposition exposition jump uh, drops on the whole situation like you find out in like loose terms like oh he was a paper boy he had a simple job you know he was still close with his family and now he kind of lost that that I guess that surrogate father and mother figure and uh he over the course of the movie kind of finds those figures sort of um until he kind of takes advantage of his own situation and and learns to uh, i I might be jumping ahead but
0: well no it's because it's like you know they set up very early the the like with with selena basically right that she is not a community person she's given up on the idea of collective effort and and the community coming together and looking out for one another. She does, she's all for herself. Because uh, I guess it's not in the movie, but they talk about it, I think, in the audio commentary where uh, Danny Boyle and the actress who played Selena came up with her backstory that she had to basically kill her whole family. Um, and that's why she is the way she is. Uh, but that's like kind of their – they have like a parallel journey, like Jim and Selena, which is he's kind of – He's he wants that, like you know, he because he was that's how his life was, right? Like he yeah. he is a family oriented person. He is uh, a guy that thinks you should do the right thing. You should help somebody, even if it means you could die in the process of doing it. Make like, a sacrifice. What is, yeah. What is the point of surviving? What is the point of just surviving? You know, if you lose your humanity in the process, kind of, and that's you know, Selena's journey is to she comes around to that, like kind of appreciating. the 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 benefit of the group and a group dynamic yeah um even when it's challenged by christopher eccleston by doctor who and and the fucking the rowdy rape boys um
1: i I was gonna say you know you have to show both extremes when you when you have those like parallel journeys as well to show the yeah the the benefits and also yeah the the dark
0: side of it. the darker side of it yeah. yeah um yeah and then that's kind of one of the first like big not, well, not a big set piece, but it's the one of the first, like,, uh, big, violent moments in the movie is when, you know, Jim's neighbors come over.) <laughs> yeah.
2: fight, fight!
0: And uh, <laughs> and Selena kills them all, which was like uh, for me, I, I made a note uh, of it actually, like when I was watching it. I was like, oh, like you know, because it's communicated or not communicated, but it's transferable through blood. And Selena's just fucking hacking at people with a with a machete and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> there's blood getting everywhere. This girl's going wild abandon. Yeah And I was just like, I was like, oh, that's not too smart. And then i'm like the, in the audio commentary, Danny Boyle, I don't know if he's just like rationalizing it, or if he's just kind of like he's just like he was like, oh yeah, because she her character she just didn't care anymore, and uh, she's just crazy. It was funny. Did you listen to the audio commentary? Have you ever listened to it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that last time I watched it, I listened to it with the okay. audio commentary, and I was hoping, yeah, they would explain how. they don't. Either, yeah, yeah. It's like I was like, so I just have to suspend my disbelief enough.
0: You know, that, you know, I was I was so shocked. That is a very dry commentary. And surprisingly so you're like and they don't really explain anything and they basically tell you all of the mistakes they feel like they made in the movie and like how they were like yeah we set up all these rules and we kind of just like didn't do anything with them but it kind of works (laughs) because when i first watched it i was like oh this is great like they set up all the rules because this is i have a complaint with horror movies a lot is that you never understand the rules so you never know like when you should or shouldn't feel tense or a pull towards something, like because if there's no rules established that can either be broken or be met, then what the fuck am I watching? You got this is a problem a lot a lot of times with like boogeyman type movies with sort sure. of, uh, things like yeah you know, like the the equivalent of something like Freddy Krueger. It's like imagine if you watched Nightmare on Elm Street and you didn't know like what the rules for Freddie Krueger were. You wouldn't have a movie,
3: yeah,
0: like they did that. There was a uh, a lot of people didn't like it, and I didn't like it either. The Bye Bye Man. Did you ever hear the of that? Bye Bye Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a movie that never explains the rules of the Bye Bye Man, and then just and just continues on. And the Bye Bye Man can just do whatever the fuck he needs to in the situation. And there's no there's no rules for them to fight against. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I, but but this movie does a good job of establishing those things, and then only yeah. to listen to the commentary to hear them say like, well, well you know. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. a a bunch of things there first off i have like a specific memory from the bye bye man it's like one of the worst edited shots i've ever seen where the girl is running to the train track or whatever and the train's about to hit her or the Bye Bye Man's about to make the train hit her or whatever
3: yeah
1: and she's running like she knows she's going to the train track and then she turns around and the shot shows her looking the other way and then the next shot shows her like gives her like a, a face of surprise like she wasn't expecting to be on the train track and then she gets hit it's like it was like four different directors were directing four different shots so they were yes. like, on the-
0: that whole movies that whole movie is you know maybe someday Jeremy it'd be fun that would be a fun one to do okay. just because how fucking dumb it is and like how frustrating it is to watch yeah uh, I watched that movie I put it on one night I think I got it at one of those like discounts or like big lots for like two dollars I was like fuck it, yeah. I'll buy it two bucks sure, sure, sure. I was I was just hoping to have some fun like watch yeah. a dumb fun movie and I was just like mad at it
1: yeah but uh but, um, but yeah to, to to go back to um alex garland and Danny Boyle like these are guys I figured like had a really strong bond and really worked and gelled together pretty creatively and it seems like yeah the the commentary track is like they were sitting there and being held at gunpoint to not really espouse their their opinions of the movie and just, yeah, as you say, just talk about a lot Which, of the
0: mistakes. I know. wonder if that's like a choice on their part, you know, because some directors, they just don't want to get into it. they just like, no, like I made the movie. You yeah. feel however you want to feel about it. Like, I don't care. Um, but I don't think that was the case there. It's like almost at some point they were trying to like figure out what they had made in some respects. Sure, sure. Um, you know, because I'm, you know, they probably recorded that commentary right after they made the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming they when they were putting the the special features and stuff together, a lot of times they'll record the commentaries before the movies even come out. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because you sometimes you'll watch like a uh, watch an audio. Con- I can't remember the movie, but it was a movie that ended up being a giant bomb. And the guy even says in the commentary, he's like, oh, opening weekends in like two weeks. I got my finger. I'm crossing my fingers." <laughs> And no, it didn't happen. Of course not. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I think uh, I think that also, like, you know, I think Alex Garland's a good writer as well in the sense that he, he writes characters that you... You don't have to spend a lot of time with them for them to feel, like, at least tangible. Like, they feel real. They sure. don't feel, like, very stock. Um, I think, you know, obviously, there's a little bit of archetype filling with these characters, obviously, because it's a genre movie, and I think they... They do kind of fall into genre conventions for characters. Um, Sometimes they subvert those, sometimes they don't. But um, they're all very relatable. Like, and especially like when you get to the scene with uh, Brendan Gleeson as Frank.
2: So, I'm Frank, anyway. Selena. Selena, good to meet you. This is my daughter, Hannah. Come on, sweetheart, say hello. Come on. So, this is great. It's just great. Of course, a celebration, I'd say. Why don't you all sit down? And, uh, Hannah, what, what have we got to offer?
3: We've got Mum's creme de month.
2: Great. I creme them off. Aye. Look, sit, please. Get comfortable. Where are the bloody glasses? Middle cupboard. Ah, the good ones. It's a celebration. Top cupboard.
0: The taxi yeah. driver, everybody's favorite dad. Um, I love that character. Oh yeah I love that character' it's like, one of my favorite roles of
1: his actually to be
0: yeah. honest. yeah and Brendan Gleason and, and he has a fucking murderer's row of great roles in his career yeah he's like one of those guys that like I don't know if it's like a a lot of Americans like in the US they just don't like really acknowledge him very often but he's a he's a fantastic actor
1: yeah he's yeah.
0: good in everything he's he's in he's good in everything no matter what kind of movie comedies drama whatever he's he's fantastic.
1: He was even in a, a Smurfs movie and I think I, I don't know if he was I, I'm sure he had a fun time in that too.
4: When I read the script I really liked the character and I actually I liked the script itself I kind of felt um I just I just I thought it was uh, I thought it was a really interesting you know it does explore some little interesting aspects of things and then uh I watched the original movie, obviously, and uh, the whole technical thing
0: was pretty impressive. So,
4: yeah, I, I I have to be honest, it was initially the character rather than anything else that drew me to it.
0: Hey, everybody's got to pay the bills, man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's such a great character, and it's such a great, uh, it changes the tone of the movie. That's another thing I really liked about the movie is that it's able to, it's constantly like bringing, ratcheting the tension up, ratcheting the tension up. And then giving you that time to breathe and giving you like a little bit of perspective on like what happened. And the characters kind of sit there and sit with it for a little while. And then you bring in, you introduce like Frank into the mix and his daughter, Hannah. And they're like very likable. They're like very normal people. And you like being around them and you root for them. Um, And it's kind of a great reprieve because for this middle of the movie, like because they kind of go on like this little journey. They go on this little like car trip, the road trip together. And uh, it's actually I was I was taken aback by how like heartwarming and fun it was. I was like, oh man, I could watch this for like ever. I could watch this for an o- another hour, just them dicking around, like looking for gas and food and stuff.
1: Well, and th- that speaks to like the the underlying theming in the movie, which I was kind of surprised in rewatching. It's like it's shockingly hopeful. Mm-hmm. Twenty eight days later, even like it, it shows those scenes of darkness and and just brutality, but it's. The whole time it's like these people slowly grow to to learn like well maybe there's a chance out there that more people will reach some sort of civilization again that will yeah return to restore peace and harmony as cheesy as it sounds but yeah
0: yeah because they're kind of they're they are symbolically that's what they like represent in yeah the movie is that oh you can keep going you can yeah. survive and you can't and you won't lose yourself to do it like selena yeah. is on the precipice of losing her humanity now, you can make the argument that the soldiers, when they get to the soldiers, Christopher Eccleston and whatnot, like, they have kind of lost the plot, except for the one guy, except for yeah. the one dude. <laughs> uh, but th- but they have kind of given up their humanity. They're just, they've are just they just decided to just go full primal, full yeah. primacy, and then only go after, like, these kind of base notions of, like, human need. They want mm-hmm. food. They want sex. They want to shoot guns. I guess. Yeah. I don't know
1: consume 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 and yeah exactly yeah, exactly it, and, and well and uh i i'd say one of the one of the great other scenes in this too is that that whole supermarket sequence where they're just kind of you know it, it felt i don't know if it was if any of it was improvised at all but it felt like brendan gleason gave it his own little touch oh he's points gr- too. i love when he yeah. finds
0: the 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 like the whiskey or whatever oh yeah chat that i have with the scotch yeah thing. Yeah, he's, like, talking about it. Yeah, because it's probably something he couldn't afford, yeah. like, in his regular life. Yeah, you know? five of
2: those. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, single malt, 16-year-old, dark, full flavor. Warmer, not aggressive. <laughs> Peachy aftertaste. Yeah. Takes out the fire but leaves in the warmth.
0: actually one of the one of the things i really loved is the introduction to uh, frank and hannah is when they first get in there and they want to like be normal so they want to offer them like uh, a drink and uh and then i noticed there was one thing i noticed in the movie that i never really picked up on before but it kind of just was a clues into like who hannah and frank are is that they still have their goldfish alive and they've left them just enough water To live in even Mm -hmm. though they need water right like so they are like very humane people they like Mm -hmm. are very caring innately good human beings yeah that's like a clue into that right without having to tell me that yeah so it was cool because you know there was a thing like i never ever i don't think at any time i've ever watched this or even when i saw it the first time did i ever think that they were tricking them you know what i mean like some you know a lot of times you watch like zombie movies or the Walking Dead, or whatever, and you would meet somebody like that, but they'd be like cannibals or something, you know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but not, but they, I kind of like the straightforwardness of this, like that it was just like, no, they're just good people, and they're just fucking stuck in their apartment.
1: Yeah. And it, yeah, and ironically, it kind of forms a little bit of a family unit, too, just by surprise. And maybe there could have been a little bit more time devoted to Selena kind of warming up to them a lot more, because it is kind of rushed how it just. It just kind of happens. Yeah, it just happens. And I, you could say like maybe that's just uh, Danny Boyle trying to speak because he he does this in a lot of his films. He injects kind of like uh, a sort of like realness and a humor to uh, just humanity in general. Mm -hmm. Like he likes just uh, dynamics to just be very very human. And maybe and maybe that sometimes happens. You know, like it just happens. You know exactly yeah yeah
0: i think that's you know one of his strengths as a filmmaker because you know danny boyle is pretty eclectic in terms of like the types of the or the types of stories he wants to tell yeah and he's always changing things always monkeying around with different kinds of tech and stuff for filming and stuff but he always brings like this really like uh an energy to it and a lot of the times that and that is very recognizably danny boyle like that's what like i think the mark of like a danny boyle movie is that sense of like pep there's a pep to it and um but he also, even though he oftentimes deals with a lot of very dark subject matter in his movies, going all the way back to Shallow Graves, his first movie, and then Train Spotting, yep. uh, you know, about junkies and shit like that. He, he is smart enough to give it a light touch sometimes. Yeah, it just it makes it inviting. Like he understands, like yeah, you have to like these people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you can't. You know, you know what I mean? Like the, you, you can't just rely on the context of the situation for us to feel something for them, you know, like he makes you like them. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, it, like his, just his style of, of working in terms of, of just kind of weaving that kind of stuff and, and really understanding the, the need for peaks and valleys in a movie like 28 days later. Sure. Um, I think it really shines through a lot and it, it, it does, a, it does a lot cause it's a very simple movie. It's very straightforward. Yeah it's not complex at all it's uh honestly coming back to it i was like wow this is is very simple like i didn't i for for some reason i just in my mind's eye i was like oh there's something more it's got there's some some more complexity to it but not really i mean well yeah because when i was before
1: like getting into this i was thinking like well maybe the movie could have benefited from being even longer or even done as a mini series but now that you kind of bring up the simplicity of it like i think i just kind of like it for the length that it is just because it's not really telling anything it's telling some deep things but nothing that's like yeah like two and a half hours worth of of your time you know well i would
0: say this i would this would be a criticism either it'd be like a four-hour miniseries or they they could have cut 15 minutes out of this movie you know what i was really surprised by i forgot i forgot how quickly they got to the the army guys the military yeah guys. yeah that i remember it's an that. hour into the movie it's halfway into the movie i was like oh wow i thought that was like the last 20 minutes but no yeah. it's like the last second half of the film
1: yeah because i consider that the whole third act so it was just such a short like yeah yeah the, second
0: yeah yeah the first two acts are like 30 minutes each and then the third act is like an hour yeah <laughs> yeah i was really surprised i was like oh wow and honestly, and I think some of that stuff—if there—if I do have a criticism of the movie—is that it's very heavy-handed. Yeah. Once they get into the military guys, like really kind of beat you over the head with it. Uh, you know, from immediately that something bad is going to happen. I don't think there's any illusion. Yeah. That uh, that these guys are like have their best interests in mind or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, and it's 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 such a um. Yeah, and, and, and in the context of the film, it's such a dark turn for, for a while as Jim was seeing Frank as like, again, like a surrogate father almost in a way. And uh, I would say actually that might be my favorite moment just because it's so it's so fr- frequent and quick, but it's like so heartfelt is the, the second he gets infected. Oh, is, my God, dude. There's not a whole I, lot of time to process all that information, you know, and, and I, the movie knows
0: that. I, I was watching it this morning, uh, and my wife was getting ready for work. I had like a little tear in my eye, and she was yeah. like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Shut up, leave me alone." <laughs> Let me have this. I, I really did, and I, cause they, they, they set Frank up to be such a like a beautifully kind of genteel but like strong presence. Yeah. Like even when Jim's like having a nightmare, he's there to like pat him. He's just like, "Hey, you're fine." Don't worry he, about it.
1: He's not even in a panic when they have to repair the car in the cave, or the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is another great sequence in the movie. Um, yeah. I really like that. And I really actually like the uh, the idea that the rats also are trying to get the fuck out of there.
3: Yeah. Oh,
2: no! Fucking rat! Get off! Come on! Out! Oh, no. <laughs> get him, off. Get him off
4: running for
0: the infected yeah that was a nice well, little touch
1: every time any movie ever shows a huge army of rats going other way along like i'm always in my head like follow the rats in fact <laughs> the sprint past the rats they know where they're going you should do the same mm-hmm. every time yeah
0: yeah it was a, it's yeah it was a nice little touch even the rats are like yeah, i'm out of here yeah <laughs> um yeah but that scene with frank and like it's the one time in the movie where he like shows he's frustrated, he's angry, he's basically telling this bird to go fuck itself. Yeah. He's telling this crow to fuck off and the, and he just happens to get a, a a little bit of blood in his eye. Oh my God. It's so awful. All he can say to his daughter is like I love you. And then at that point she tries to come over and he has to start yelling at her to go away and then he turns. Like it's yeah. It is heartbreaking.
2: Yeah, I'm fine, sweetheart. Sorry I lost my temper. Hannah, I love you very much. What? Keep away from me. Stay where you are. Dad? Keep away
3: from me! Dad? Keep away from me! Keep away from me! away! Keep away! Keep away! What's ah! ah! wrong? Ah! Dad! Ah! 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 Oh. <laughs> Jimmy's Jim infected. No
0: It's it's so intense. <laughs> Especially like you know, and I know I go on and on about this kind of stuff uh, in movies and stuff, but like having like a kid, and when I see stuff like that, it's just like sure. really guts me, like really guts me. Yeah, really I've become like a huge softy when it comes to stuff like that nowadays. It is, but um, yeah, because I could feel that, I could feel that deep in my bones. I was like, oh my god. But yeah, it's so, and it's such a great moment. It's such, it's a great movie moment, and it really kind of just. It, it, it's it because it's like it puts a period on that part of the movie and then we know we're into like kind of a different phase because the movie totally shifts pretty heavily in that. Yeah. I think it's the third act. Yeah. It uh, becomes, it becomes almost like a weird, like, uh, what do you call them? Uh, I'm trying to blank here. Like
1: a, like a genre or a... like
0: uh yeah, you know what you're next, like a home invasion. Film. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 It becomes almost feels like almost like a home invasion movie. Uh, or like a reverse home invasion movie I guess to a certain extent where they're they're locked in you see all this stuff they're setting up like mines and then you yeah. see the walls and you see the barbed wire and you think like oh that's to keep you safe but it's also to keep you in
1: yeah you know? with a slight revenge angle by the the, the last cl- the big climax the climactic fight battle sequence
0: <laughs> yes which it does it, and this is when it does like uh which in modern times this is cliche which is like oh we are the walking dead like yeah i know you know, where, where's killian murphy like oh is like he's 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 got the rage too and he's yeah, not right. even he doesn't even have the disease mm-hmm. um you're like men we drive each other to violence people drive each other to, to madness like this it's I, I, it, it's inescapable <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I just want to end, like, uh, every movie I make now with just the most vague message, like, oh, I wonder who the real cannibals are. Like, <laughs> Cannibal. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do with the context of the movie.
0: You no, know, it's not really about where we ended up. It's about the friends we ate along the way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no, but, like, Um. yeah, so it kind of shifts its tone a little bit, and it's definitely, like, you know, I feel like it's, it, that is my, like, I think that section is very heavy-handed. I like Christopher Eccleston, who's like the main guy, who's the leader of the group. I did like him. I think he he is properly menacing. Um, but almost like a little bit too much. Like there's no I never like there's no question that that's gonna end badly. Yeah. like from the moment they meet that guy, you're like, oh, that guy's up to no good. <laughs> like immediately. There's you know what I mean? like it would have been cool if there was like a an ambiguity. To it at least the, especially if you're gonna spend an hour there yeah you know what i mean
1: oh and also he kind of just in many ways gives his cards away so quick to jim that you know and, and is so quick to offer him an ultimatum and not really you think well you know we're, what we're doing right now is kind of horrible and jim could easily just be crazy and kill us all right now if he wanted to and it's just like he you think he'd be more methodical yeah eight days ago i
4: found jones with his gun in his mouth He said he was going to kill himself because there was no future.
2: What could I say to him?
4: We fight off the infected or we wait until they starve to death, and then what? What do nine men do except wait to die themselves? I moved us from the blockade, I set the radio broadcasting, and I promised them women. cause women mean
0: a future. Well, the, that's the thing I don't under, like what is the point of like ingratiating themselves to Jim? Like why bother with like the dinner yeah. and all that all stuff? Like yeah. why not just shoot him? And take like that's what you were going to do anyways. Yeah. Like what as we as, as is revealed when they march the sergeant and Jim off into the woods to execute them. There's a pile of bodies. Other people have showed up there, all dudes. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of dudes shows up and they're like, "We're not interested in dudes." Yeah, um, which I thought was very, very homophobic and not cool. But yeah, they didn't have one gay soldier on the team. I know, not one team. gay guy. Maybe he's the one that could turn into a zombie.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> At least uh, you, the, the zombies get their, their their final laugh though, so it's uh, like I guess it, it equals uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it was uh, you know, and it's this is like it's kind of a it's a mild criticism. It doesn't like bother me in the sense like oh I, I can't enjoy the movie because of it. It's just like it's so subtle and it does such a great job being kind of nuanced and uh, really threading th- threading that needle like just just right. And I think that is where it hits a little bit of a misstep, probably up until like the last 20 minutes of the movie, which is kind of Jim breaking back in and trying to save the girls, which I think is a super effective like home invasion movie kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, And I did like, you know, even though we were kind of joking about it, like, oh, Jim's got the rage too. Like, it it, it does, I wish it was more ambiguous. That is actually something I wish. If we didn't know, yeah, yeah. If we didn't know whether or not he was infected. Because they did this thing, and I think it's, it's either in the commentary or something I read, where that they would use do like the slow motion on the DV camera, and they would do that to create like this weird staccato effect, yeah uh, when the, whenever they would shoot the rage mon- the rage zombies. and then they did that whenever they showed Jim in the final sequence.. problem with that is like they didn't ever imply that jim might be infected they never did that so if they had if they had done if there had been a moment where like the last time we saw jim he was being chased by a by a rage monster rage zombie Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like just to get that ambiguity there you know just so so when selena is gonna fucking cave him in with a machete like maybe we've you know what i mean I don't yeah. know.
1: Then it's a big surprise, just like it is for her, you know.
0: You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, treat it like a reveal, rather than the kind of, uh, I guess, like almost like a pseudo tragic moment that she would have killed killed Jim, even though he wasn't a raged zombie.
1: Yeah, I, I was gonna bring up. There's a couple of really interesting moments like within that that climactic scene where uh, I like the bit where uh, the the one infected guy um, is looking at himself in the mirror. As taking a pausing point and just thinking wait what's going on here because here's the other thing that they do briefly bring up in the commentary track is that yeah they're they're grunting and shouting and and full of rage but they're also like espousing little words and like like again this is what separates them so much from zombies is that they still kind of have a mind a functioning mind it's just they're too angry that they can't think about anything else other than kill who's not what i look like or how well,
0: I, yeah, that was. Th- if there is one thing that I was never really understood is like how it works in the sense of like how they identify who they should attack. Shouldn't they just be always just ripping each other apart like all the time? You
1: think so? I, right? I, yeah, and I wonder if it's just like some more like psychic, psychological thing that that, well, that, that I mean, never explained.
0: Yeah, you know, Garland is pretty upfront about the the fact that like he's cribbing from a lot of zombie movies of the past. I mean, the, basically, if you looked at the things that are in 28 Days Later, it's like a truncated version of, like, Romero's original trilogy. Yeah. It's got a little part of each of those movies in it, even ending with military guys and then finding out that the rage zombies actually talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, because that's how Day of the Dead, you find out, like, oh, they're not so stupid. And then yeah. Romero took, kept going with that idea in Land of the Dead, too. I guess. I mean I haven't seen Land of the Dead in a long time,
1: but... Which, uh... Uh, Bubba from Day of the Dead, big shout-out, one of the best zombies ever ever on screen. Yeah. Hell yeah.
3: Hell
0: yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, it, it's interesting, because, it, 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 like, if you were a genre savvy, if you're familiar with those movies, uh, it probably, like, actually helps a lot, when you watch something like twenty eight days later, just almost like because there's tons of references to all of the other zombie movies that have been made, but they're not overt they're just not subtle it's really more like subtextual stuff and also just like little details like like you said like this, the the rage zombies kind of murmuring stuff which they kind of try to do a little something with in twenty eight weeks later yeah i mean it's weird though because i didn't really
1: pick up on that until the commentary track like said that was what was going on i mean I caught like gibberish but never like full-on sentences or words yeah saying anything like that to that extent
0: Um, well yeah that's the thing because it's like you know it's about this thing that makes you uncontrollably angry and full of rage to the point you just want to tear people apart (laughs) but like i I suppose like you you could imagine that like well it doesn't mean you can't like speak or communicate totally Yeah, like, that is something about the movie that's, like, a little nebulous. Like, how does this actually, what do you mean? Like, (laughs) why aren't aren't they all just killing each other all the time? Like, why, what, they would, that's what they would do, right? Yeah. How are they, why are they discerning? You know, why are they discerning zombies? But, minor complaint, I suppose.
1: Uh, I was going to say, the other other thing that, like, was a big standout, it was pretty hilarious, and this kind of speaks to... Uh, Boyle's skills for injecting humor in in just the right places was uh, Hannah being on Valium during the whole thing too, and just yes. kind of having this calm demeanor. And in fact, just <laughs> scaring the the military guys into thinking that they were all gonna die, wish they do. But yeah, you
3: know. those pills. I think they're having an effect. I can feel them, and I don't feel sleepy, but. They've been a long time. What are you gonna do if they don't come back? Will you be the officer if Henry is dead? Is that the way it works? Shut up! I don't think they are coming back. I think they've been killed. So, Sid, shut up! Hannah. They're dead. And you're gonna be next.
0: well it which comes from a very dark place exactly yeah hannah being on valium comes from yes yeah maybe the darkest thing moment in the movie is when she gives this little girl valium because she's going to get raped yeah again the stem is hugely dark and then they
1: find a way to just kind of ease out of that
0: (laughs) well exactly yeah well that's what he's good at i think like danny boyle because then it doesn't feel incongruent like you're not ever pulled out like well what What like we almost got raped and now we're being silly? Like it never feels like that. He's able to maintain like a tone. Yeah, um, which is his skill as a director. That's credit to him as a director. You know. Yeah. Um, And then obviously they had all the uh, you know the end of the movie, basically implied they got saved. There is some sort of hope, but there was a bunch of alternate endings because like you know you had said that um, just a few minutes ago that the movie is surprisingly hopeful, right? Yeah. I mean, the original, the the alternate endings are all downers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Except for one of them. Well, one of them, which obviously, because they basically went in and reshoots and put Killian Murphy in the end scene, because there's a version of that where he's not there. Yeah, yeah. Um, And also there's a version where the movie just ends when he dies at the hospital, and the Mm -hmm. girls are leaving. And then... There's the radically different ending, which they never shot, but they did in storyboards. and then uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you
0: watch that? It was cool. Uh, it, it was interesting. It was more like goofy sci-fi kind of almost like zombie movie stuff where they go back to the lab where the monkeys escape from. And there's a doctor in there.
4: Jim stands with Hannah outside the safe room. Selina stands a few feet behind. I've got someone I want you to meet, James. This is Hannah. She's 14, and her dad is infected. We've got him tied up. Jim breaks off. If you know of a way to cure him, it would be good if you'd just tell us. Silence. Then the man appears at the viewing window. There's a catch. They wait silently. The infection's in the blood. So change the blood, full body transfusion. And there's no infection. Change the blood someone has to give it jim that's the catch a pint two pints three pints is no good needs to be every drop
0: they it reveals that like oh you have to do a complete blood transfusion and uh jim ends up being the one to and then they well they capture brendan gleason's character frank they knock him out or whatever and they bring him to the lab and they do a blood transfusion and jim dies but frank gets to live (laughs) But I don't know for some reason like Danny Boyle he was talking about it on the thing He's just like he's like, I don't know. It just seemed like too too stupid And that was the problem right
4: there with this ending We'd established that one drop in the eye will infect someone Then how the flying fuck are we going to sell the idea that this blood transfusion idea is going to work? What you what do you do clean out every capillary and vein with bleach before making the transfusion? (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) we just couldn't like i don't know how how would that work how would that work uh,
1: when i was watching that alternate uh version I, it was reminding me of like a lot of the ideas they were probably exploring with the will smith i am legend remake a little bit like they were like we can take this in so many different directions and it's like it just got more and more absurd and that's a movie i think is okay but like
0: yeah it's okay but it's it's very like hollywood very like cgi it's not, what's that guy's name that director he ended up doing a bunch of a couple of the Hunger Games movies, and then he also directed. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. directed uh, Constantine, yeah, yeah. the the Keanu Reeves movie back in the day. Can't remember his name, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a, it's like a, okay, it's okay. It's a movie that you could watch on like a lazy Saturday and fall asleep and yeah. wake up. At, you know,
1: it's it's a it's a basic. I would even argue kind of a hollow look at just a Last Man on Earth scenario. And yeah,
0: yeah well. I actually, when that came out, I was, I'm actually, I was actually a fan of the book, mm-hmm. uh, Richard Matheson's short story, and I had read, Great like, s- somebody had done, like, a comic book version of it that I had, and then I read, uh, i read like, there was, like, three different screenplays, because Ridley Scott was going to do it at one point with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I was like, god damn, that would have been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, late 90s Arnold, with uh, Ridley Scott directing it, I was like, oh, that would be fucking killer. And that script is much more of, like, an action movie. But it was better than the one that <laughs> it was better than the one that uh, ended up being made at least yeah. it, like the script was better uh, and at least and also he at least says "I am legend in the fucking the one that was never made he never they don't like the, the title "I am Legend is like this idea that like you are the last man on earth, you're actually the bad guy you're the boogeyman them. yeah you're yeah. the boogeyman now because you're yeah. the only one that's not a vampire like yeah. And they don't do that in the fuck. It's so
1: frustrating. They don't even touch on it. It's, it's annoying. But, but you even bring up, like, I love going down just all the rabbit holes or watching documentaries it was about the, the movies that could have been, like Tim Burton's Superman or Yodorowsky's or Dune. Like, these yeah. could have been outstanding. Well, I don't know. I'm not, I might go that far as to say they could have been outstanding. But they could have they're been interesting. They're interesting. They're yeah. interesting, they're, really, they're really
0: interesting really... ideas, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, when I watch Yodorowsky's uh, Dune, that documentary, I'm like, well, that sounds really awesome. I don't know if we were going to be able to pull that off, but it sounds cool.
1: Yeah. Like, I didn't read Dune, but I have a friend who said it was fantastic.
0: You sold me at the pitch meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, I would have bought the pitch for yeah. sure. And then, then I would have been the studio executive to get fired for buying the pitch when it bombed. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> but like, yeah, yeah. So I, I you know, it was, it, was int- it was funny. Like back when this came out 28 Days Later, they re-released it in theaters later that summer with the alternate endings. You could go watch the movie with the alternate ending. Um, and you didn't know which one you were going to get. So Mm -hmm. depending on when you went and I ended up going to see it again and, uh, had a very like awkward date with a a girl that I liked and she liked me and like, didn't know how to communicate that to to each other. And, uh, yeah. So I had a very awkward date, but I got to see 28 days later again. So, okay.
1: You got something out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A shout out to Tess if
1: you're out there. Um, Oh, uh, uh, the ending, though, what do you make of, like, the, the, the technical switch to 35mm? Because they, they dropped the digital video at that point, and I didn't notice that until I last rewatched it. I was like, oh, crap, they just, it's almost like it kind of bleeds into, like, the hopeful aspect a little bit. Like, we're kind of progressing into a, a cleaner quality.
0: I yeah, guess. I guess kind of, right? Like, yeah, it's not so dystopian. Yeah, like, you know, it doesn't have that grainy digital home movie feel. It feels more like a movie, like almost, almost like more like dreamlike. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't think is the intention, but. The, I'd say
1: the scariest part is the dream that Jim has with all the uh, sheep, I, I guess, or was it sheep or I can't remember. When the, he
0: wakes, when he wakes up in the ruins. Yeah. 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 Oh, when he thinks he's all alone. Yeah. 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 That would be fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, I was, I was, I mean, was, yeah, I was thinking about that sequence, just like in terms of just how uh, that might have been like the most hopeless. It it probably felt in that moment, I think. Um, and then, yeah, like the ending is like the opposite kind of effect.
0: Oh, you know, actually, speaking of that, that, that actually, that dream and that sequence. Before I forget, sure. I, because I, I made a note of it. Um, that's it reminded me very much of that's a very Alex Garland touch to have them sleep in the yeah. ruins, uh, while nature is taken back over because that's kind of a theme in a lot of Alex Garland stuff is that like yeah we might die and the world is just going to keep going Yeah, it is com- nature is completely indifferent to what you want to create mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was like a nice little interesting very Alex Garland touch because that's pretty much that is, seems like his almost singular obsession mm-hmm. is like man versus nature and nature always wins like you yes, just cannot beat it. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, what, what do you make of Alex Garland's other work, especially the ones that he's written and directed uh, lately?
0: So what did he he's he's he writ, wrote and directed Ex Machina and Annihilation, right? That's yeah. It. And then he did devs and the sh-
1: and the devs, yeah. 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 I actually I, love uh, Ex Machina. Uh, bringing that one up. Um,
0: yeah, I, little, I, I. like the, No, no, I'm sorry. Go for. Oh it. yeah,
1: as I say, there's like a little bit of man versus nature in there, but it's also technology and and. Yeah, and and yeah, AI and
0: well, <laughs> which is also yeah, but I think it's almost like because that's an extension of man's like endeavors,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and like our 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 constant search to control the nature of reality and, um, existence. We want to be gods, like we want to yeah. be gods, and that's what like AI is. This is It's a way for us to live forever, basically. Sure. So you know that's kind of an extension of that, and. And even in, but even in Ex Machina, like the nature stuff is very prevalent. Like if you look at like where that, uh, where Isaac, Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleason, who is Brendan Gleason's son, yeah, I would to bring that up. Yeah, <laughs> who like you know where they where he's working on his AI stuff. Like he's out in this beautiful like mountain, and there's nature everywhere and running water, and because he wants to feel like he's part of it, like part of he is part of the natural progress the natural process of existence. Like, that's the way he kind of looks at himself, and that's part of his hubris. Sure. Um, And then Annihilation is very much like uh, an alien, a sentient alien being comes down that we don't really quite understand and starts fucking with our genetic code to basically fold us back into nature. Yeah. Which I think is actually... uh, I really like Annihilation, actually. Actually, I think I have the poster somewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah, I
1: I need to go back and give it a third rewatch because um, I don't know. I I have such like a mixed opinion on Annihilation because I think a lot of there's a lot of effective scenes in it that really Mm -hmm. like stick to memory and really uh, stuck with me for a while. Um, But then there's just I don't know. it, It falls into a lot of just like cliched trappings. That a lot of writers fall into that you would see with later sci-fi, horror-esque films of its ilk. Oh,
0: I think it's definitely pulling from a lot of stuff. The, I yeah, think Alex sure. Garland does that a lot, actually. I yeah, think yeah, even, that's him, yeah. Even Ex-Makina is not, like, that original. It's really not. It's just, it's elegantly done. Elegantly yeah. executed, for sure. sure. Um, and it's really the execution that makes it different. I understand where you're coming from with Annihilation, because I when I first saw it, the first time I saw it, I didn't like. I never really bounced off of it, but I definitely was a little colder on it. Um, but I also read the book, and mm. I knew a lot about the movie before it came out, and I think that really informed my viewing of it because uh, I listened to Alex Garland kind of talk about what his intentions were and where he was pulling from to make the movie. Like, there's a lot, Tarkovsky's like Stalker is a big touchstone for that movie. Um, also, he he had a really fascinating way of writing the script where. He read the book once in a night and then wrote the script in a week. What I thought was, I can't see a
4: straight beat by beat adaptation, but the effect of reading the book had a very powerful effect on me. So what I'm going to do is in a way adapt my subjective experience of reading the book. I guess if it was a certain kind of thriller, you could do an objective, uh, adaptation where everyone would agree yes that's what happened at this moment and that's what i felt at this moment but i think this adaption of annihilation is much more uh, personal or subjective than that
0: which maybe makes maybe is why it's it seems a little maybe underdeveloped i guess in a way but he said he's like i don't want to do a direct adaptation and he got in in touch with the author and was like i'm not going to directly adapt it i want to like kind of work in the tradition of the book and I want to do it like off of my memory basically of what I feel like happened in the story. What I remember the story being like the dreams that the story made me have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I can understand that one not working though for you I, or for, for anybody really. I, I, I get sure. when people push back against that one, like I get it. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and like you kind of
1: described, it does have such a lucid dreamy sort of feel to it, which I, I really did kind of appreciate. And, um, and, and the sound design, I think was one of the biggest takeaways from that movie too. I just, I was hearing like, you know, it, it's, uh, I know the, the Christopher Nolan, like droning sound in trailers is, is like a big, uh, the Zimmer the, the Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. Yeah. Bom. But this, but, but this movie kind of like played with it a little bit more and, and amplified it to sounds I'd never really heard before. I was, I, I commended that fully. And do you also remember that the movie had a lot of Netflix trouble? Like, upon release, too. Yeah, like I saw I saw it in theaters, but, like... Sorry, yeah, go
0: ahead. Uh, yeah, I saw it in theaters as well, but uh, I guess they had, like, no faith in the movie. So, yeah. overseas, in Europe, they put it on Netflix. Like, oh, like two weeks after it premiered. So, those torrents were up!
1: But I yeah. did. I went
0: to see it in the theater. And yeah. then I torrented it. <laughs> um, as we do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I went to see it in the theater, though. Because, like, you know, I like yeah. Alex Garland, so it's like... And I sure. appreciate that there's somebody... Working on original properties in genre that's not like uh, trying to be uh, that's not part of a franchise it's not part of something I am familiar with. I like people that are just out there doing original work, even if it is mildly derivative. I do think uh, I think if you like Alex garland, you you will like dev's, but it is the most alex garland ass thing he's ever made like that is okay. very it's like no compromise it is Alex Garland. Full-tilt Alex Garland. Okay. <laughs> so if you get a sense of that, I think it's probably the best thing he's done uh, as, like, a writer-director myself. Okay. I thought it was the most effective thing. And then I would probably do Ex-Makina and then Annihilation at the end. Um, but, like, I, you know, I would go back to Annihilation, though. Maybe, like... It, Maybe and not to say that just because you're you're a film fan and stuff like that, like go listen to some interviews with Alex Garland and hear what he had to say, like about sure. the creation of Annihilation. And I think it actually informs the viewing and it makes it more of an interesting movie. Not to say that like you should have to do that kind of heavy lifting to go watch a movie, mm-hmm. but um, but even even just even isolated in a vacuum, the last 20 minutes of Annihilation I think is amazing. I think it's awesome. Uh,
3: yeah, the, that, that's she,
0: great. Yeah. She, yeah, when she meets the alien face to face so it's kind of got like a slasher movie kind of structure and it's a little bit like the thing almost you know when you get this group of like people
1: i don't know you, you, you uh, yeah i mean I've, I've found that i i'll end up being more surprised and ended up liking a movie i never thought i would have liked beforehand just by yeah again listening to interviews or just hearing about the making of uh, a good channel i follow uh good bad flicks i don't know if you're familiar yeah, with I know it that, yeah. yeah yeah like i had my opinion changed on several movies just because, like, was it, um, what's the movie called? Uh, uh, Nothing But Trouble uh, mm-hmm. with Dan Aykroyd.
0: Hey, hey, ho, ha,
2: ho! Yes. Hola, <laughs> hola, hola! The boola, 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 Look who's
0: got the front seats of the Mexican hat dance now!
1: Just like a bunch of spiders in a birthday cake. Yes. Like, just hearing like, the hell that went into making that movie, like, almost. Made me kind of like it a lot more than I initially did when I first yeah. was like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. Now I think it's like it's fun and actually very hilarious in, in many
0: ways. Well, exactly. Well, I mean, I think it's just like you know, sometimes I I always give a movie like more than one shot. Yeah. Especially like if I bounce off a movie really hard the first time I watch it, I will definitely watch it again Cause, sure, uh, just to see, just to see, just to see. But like, yeah, like it's very easy to have like your like a piece. Of, given a piece of information or somebody shows you just an angle that you've never really thought of when you watch it and it changes the whole experience and it's 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 awesome Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and luckily there's people out there doing good work like that you know for all the shit people talk about youtube and stuff there is especially uh for film analysis there's a lot of good stuff out there yeah a lot of a lot of very talented people out there you
1: know absolutely yeah just avoid the uh the the, the Screen Junkies types and the, and the ones that are like, oh, this is the kill count or whatever.
0: <laughs> yes, the Screen Junkies, Cinema Sins. I've never understood that. Like, yeah. people liking that. It's like the nitpickers paradise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just awful. So, yeah, so there's a lot of garbage. But you you go find yourself a hot 25,000 sub film analysis channel, is probably pretty solid. <laughs>
1: who, who, who were you um spotlighting or retweeting recently? the This guy... Uh, he was like one of the like earlier like youtube critics who's so butthurt over people liking marvel and 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 oh uh
0: christian harloff yeah
1: yeah i remember him in his heyday
0: he he was butthurt because people would make fun of him like so red letter media
1: yeah, they just the, 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 the,
0: the nerd crew which was basically making fun of Collider.
2: The point is that every single person in this room behind that camera leave each other the fuck alone when yeah, they want to have opportunities opinions. On what they want to think. You yeah. can think whatever the fuck you want to think. Fuck Leave yeah. people alone. And it is, it is not. It is not fucking wrong to be passionate about Star Wars. It's not fucking wrong to be passionate about any movie that you like. Going to Comic Cons, going to Celebration. And you think it is and you think, oh, well, well, you're too old to be doing it. Fuck you. Fuck you in the face. Because you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want and be passionate about it. Fuck you for making fun of people for being passionate about their shit. Go sucking a fucking toad fart. Hey! <laughs>
0: That's what it was, and that's Christian Harloff was part of that. And then he got, and then there was a clip of him like having a meltdown because he wasn't invited to Star Wars Galaxies. And he's like, can I do a show on here? And we do so much for them, and I didn't even get a fucking invitation. Okay, let's see what's going on in the internet today.
2: They see collider, yes, and they go, oh, it's everything. Correct. So everything that you know, that, they already that, invited collider. Well, they think every, yeah. right. They think everything that Christina and, and Haley will will see is yes. that they will that they will now go on Jedi Council and do it, and that's how it works.
0: Part of doing your job and is talk time. about it. And you could I, just ask I'm, them I'm to
2: be stubborn and say, I don't want to.
0: Okay, <laughs> um,
2: I, and I You're don't. Going to, though. What's that? You're going to. I don't want to. Uh,
1: no, because it's our coverage. Uh, Haley's got a lot of really good interviews. <laughs> yours,
2: uh, so first of all, first of all, I don't want you to do that on the air. You can call me after. This. So you know what? So then someone else hosts to show today. Someone else hosts a show today. You can call that. This the second time you've done <laughs> this, the first time you've done this, you burst in the door.
0: You, you you started the show by saying you're not gonna talk about it on Jedi Council, which and I, is your show, okay. but you're not the producer of it and I it am was, actually I am actually <laughs> I, 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 I,
2: uh, yes I am. I'm actually that is the deal I made with Fernando I'm also exa- actually, uh, <laughs> just the same way you didn't know, the same way you didn't the same way you didn't know that I was the fucking head of development at one point a head of content where you're like, Oh, I think you're just head of development. I walk into to Fernando's like clear up content and development. To which now is not the case. You are and I get it. But I, first of all, if you want to do this on the air, we do it on the air, but I am not, but I am absolutely not talking about it today. You can have Rope host it.
1: How about that? I mean, if you don't want to host the show, I don't is... want to. Oh, I'm so sorry you didn't get to go last you're night. You're
2: welcome. See, you can, if you want to do this, again, we can do it all the only because you you have the same thing, and what people also don't realize with no, no, you. You act you act hot-headed, you act hotheaded all the time. You
0: don't want you're to you yellow people, content. but you want to do it now, we can do it now. You don't want to cover Collider's content, is what you're just saying on, on Collider Live. that's glorious that's that's glorious (laughs) thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) like very entitled but yeah that side of the like film criticism it's not real film criticism it's not it's just like you know, but, you know, we all watch it, though. We all know what that shit is. Yeah, you know, we're, we're all- aware. <laughs> it's, just, it's just very, very sad. Like John Campia? Yes. Did you gotta watch John Campia to see, like, a, like a serious film opinion? No. <laughs> <laughs> They're good every once in a while, like, because they'll have, like, scoops. Like, they, they will get the news. Mm-hmm. So for that kind of, like, tabloid news stuff, like, every once in a while, I'll go, like, watch a video, but most of the time, no. I don't have time yeah. for that shit. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, and it's um, kind of taking this back to Twenty Days Later for a sec. um, Lately, I don't know. In the last few years, like this movie in particular, Twenty Days Later, it seems to have a weird. Its reputation has kind of evolved a little bit, where it's it's seen as either, in a lot of film circles, kind of overrated or just not. It's kind of devalued in a way that's not considered great or innovative anymore, and people just kind of look to other things. And Denny Boyle himself. I've always kind of admired him as a director, but he's kind of seen as this kind of middle to bottom tier sort of just yeah. director that like has no style or, or vision or, or voice. And I'm like, I, there's something there. I've always thought there always was, but I don't I've, know. Maybe I'm I, on a weird end of it.
0: I think it's because like his, his eclectic, like we had said earlier, he has like such an eclectic filmography when it comes to like this types of stories he tells. It makes it feel like he doesn't have an identity. He feels like a tourist. Yeah, I think for a lot of things. So if you go watch, like, go watch, like, uh, what is it called, uh, *Slumdog Millionaire*? Which I think he won the Academy Award for, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I um, think so. I think I don't know if he didn't win Best Director. I think he won Best Picture. And um, it's weird. It's a weird movie to go back to. Like, it was very much in the zeitgeist. Like, that's why it was, it was popular for. You understand why it was popular in like the general public because it, it feels like a very touristy. Type movie that's very superficial doesn't really understand Indian culture doesn't really have much in, interest in trying to sure. it's almost like too light in certain respects so I think sometimes like, he, he can fall victim to that but I, like, I, I think the reason why people have like, have a backlash to 28 Days Later uh, is because it was oversaturated when, for years Yeah, after it came out like you came to it late but when I was like a kid dude I have seen this movie probably like forty times in my yeah. life, like everybody always wanted to watch twenty eight days later. It was everywhere it yep. was everywhere for a couple of years um, and then twenty eight weeks later came out and completely killed that <laughs> that momentum uh, but yeah, because it, it kind of revitalized the genre it was it was a movie that did a zombie movie differently you know um, I, but i think I think the way that they I think the mini d v thing probably ends up. Probably gonna hurt it in the long term in terms of popularity. Although, I don't know. I just don't hear people talk about it anymore. It's almost like feels like it's completely like forgotten. Well, even
1: in like pandemic craziness, the last sixteen months or whatever, it's like it wasn't like the first go-to film. They all wanted to watch uh, Soderbergh's um, Contagion. Contagion, and like that's that movie really like lost its flair pretty quickly. I mean, it, last year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I actually, what did I, I watched a bunch of those. I watched Contagion. I watched The Outbreak with Dustin Break. Hoffman. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, where he's in a fucking helicopter, like, going to find this Reese's monkey. Like, yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, it's but yeah, but what is the cover, by the way? Like, oh, yeah, The Floating Heads. The Floating Heads in the Monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, my dad took me to see that in the movie theater. Um, nice. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just... It's, yeah, you would think it would have come up, right? Like, that would have been in the rotation for people. And I did not see really... I don't think I saw anybody talking about it. Yeah. Which is weird. That is weird. That's a yeah.
1: weird thing. Well, before we, we jump to uh, its, it's uh, lesser uh, <laughs> of quality sequel, we didn't even talk about the music and the score.
0: Oh, the score is... Uh, yes. Yeah, John
1: very... I, I I was like I gotta tell you right now. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, in the house heart. What's the heart? What's the song called? The heartbeat. Uh, the the famous theme that everybody knows. Yeah, days later for
0: the one that every like movie trailer and shit <laughs> used for a hot ten years.
1: I can't tell you like how many times like in my early high school days of high school cross country, I was running to that shit like all the time because I had a different sort of response and energy. You know, you know people kind of look at it like, oh, it's got this horrific heartbeat sort of sensation to it, and it, I, I think that plays a part definitely. Yeah. But I was thinking like, oh, I'm running away from the rage virus right now. You know. Yeah.
0: Like, I was in the well, mode. Yeah, because well, when you especially when you listen to the the whole piece right it does it has like movements to it almost and it has that sense of like uh get your adrenaline pumping
3: you yeah know? yeah
0: makes you feel tense um yeah it's great it's a great little piece of music and I th- is it the only original piece of music in the movie i know there's a couple like i don't know no no because i think that's like the shopping scene when they're in the grocery store yeah. and it has that like nice little poppies i think that's also john murphy as well it's uh it's not It's not by John Murphy.
1: Yeah, there's another score that kind of like just slowly elevates as well. I can't remember what that one's called either. But yeah, there's there's a couple in there.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's not a very like robust score, I guess. It's probably like 25 minutes of music total. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, and I think the end. I think the end credits, isn't like a pop song or something? Something like that, yeah. Which, yeah. again, a classic classic Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Yeah, cut to black, pop song. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, I thank you for bringing that up, because uh, I did want to make a note of that. Because it is, like, that piece of music is so, it's iconic. And it was used in so many things. Like, I think, I think it's in, isn't it in uh, Kick-Ass? There's, like, um, yeah. Uh, I think it's during one of the, no, it's when they're doing the, re, like, the recreation of uh nicholas cage's character getting in the warehouse and he's fighting all the guys
1: I think it was Big Daddy who had like a yeah, his yes. own yeah, spin on the on the theme. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think they just play the theme. Yeah. And it's been used in a few a bunch of trailers and stuff like that, um, over the years. It's a great piece of music. They use it again in twenty eight weeks later.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> so good they use it again. Yeah. And it wasn't also I didn't you know, I meant to look this up. I completely forgot. I heard that there was a show. Was there a television series? There was like a
1: Relief. I know there's a, well, I know there's like a comic series. I don't know about television, or maybe they were they pitched one, but I, I'd, I'd have to double check. I don't know. was it on
0: Crackle? <laughs> oh like gosh! That. Yeah, when are they gonna put Twenty Eight Days Later on Disney Plus? Come on! I know, right? When's Ravenous gonna be on there? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> they're sitting on this library. I mean, they're doing nothing with it. All these Robert Carlyle associated things. <laughs> all right, so the next up uh, we're gonna be talking about. We can find it here. Uh, 28 weeks later. After 28 days,
2: they thought it was over. This is what it's all about, gentlemen. Family's starting again. They thought it was safe. What are you afraid of? What if it comes back? It won't come back. They were wrong. This Friday.
3: I'm going to get you both out of here. I promise. The
2: threat is everywhere. 28 Weeks Later, Reddit R starts Friday, only in theaters.
0: 28 Weeks Later, uh, directed by Juan Carlos Fresnadillo, mouthful, written by <laughs> Rowan Joffe, Juan Carlos uh, Fresnadillo, uh, Enrique Lopez Levine, it stars Jeremy Renner, Rose Byrne, Robert Carlyle, Imogen Poots, and others. The logline plot synopsis is six months after the rage virus was inflicted on the population of Great Britain, the U.S. Army helps to secure a small area of London for the survivors to repopulate and start again. But not everything goes according to plan. Which is one thing we did forget to mention about 28 days later. It is revealed that basically uh, Great Britain has been quarantined. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the world is actually just functioning normally. But <laughs> think they quarantined Great Britain. And this is, plays off of that, the quarantine happening. Um so we like we've kind of spoiled a little bit at the beginning. Uh great first act.
1: Oh, uh, dude, it's it's great. I the way they set up this world, um, this little isolated family farm sort of setting, you know, the, these groups of people who probably all just kind of came together, a yeah. small little commune for themselves. You know, they they followed all the procedures, they've blocked up their doors, they you know, they keep very quiet, they're having a nice meal together.
0: And <laughs> it just. And takes, all hell breaks loose and it's a great because yeah. you never get to, you don't get to see this as what you think is going to be your protagonist is the coward. Yes, yes. And it tells you like you think you're going to be watching a movie from the coward's perspective, and he meets his kids, and he has to lie to them, and you think there's going to be like an arc and all of this interesting subtext that we could explore about like the idea of being quarantined in the military presence, and no. It sets up all of this stuff, all this super interesting stuff, and then does nothing with it. And then it becomes just the most rote zombie action movie ever. Not even a good one either. Not even like an entertaining one. Like, it's just frustrating.
1: Well, and who's even heard of this director? He sounds like just some studio for hire, like...
0: No, but he was hand-picked. He was, hand- he was hand-picked <laughs> by Danny Boyle. Oh, wow. Okay. Here's a few of his other movies. Let's check out what else has he directed. Where uh 28 Weeks Later. So he had only done one movie, Intacto, which I've never heard of, before he did this, which is like an action sci-fi okay. fantasy movie. Yeah. And then um, after this, he did this movie, Intruders, with Clive Owen. Oh, I've and, seen
1: that. I saw you- that. It's not... It wasn't anything
0: great though but no, it, yeah. No. <laughs> I saw it years ago too. I I barely remember. I remember the poster. It's like yeah, on his face like kind of scratched out. Um, yeah. then he does yeah, he's mostly done TV stuff and now he's doing just announced The Sword in the Stone. He's doing like, uh, yeah, he's doing a live action Disney movie cuz that's uh, what everybody yep. does. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I got, I think he was hand by Danny Boyle. If I'm not if memory okay. serves me correct, don't quote me on that, but I feel like I remember hearing that. Okay. Because, it, you know, at the time, it was kind of anticipated. Yeah. This was kind of anticipated to come out, because it came out in 2007. It was five years after the first one came out. Um, I was excited for it. Also, Robert Carlyle, uh, back yeah. in, who, was also, who was offered the role of, uh, the, of Christopher Eccleston's character in 28 Days Later, but for one reason or another, he turned it down.
1: Oh, that would have been so cool, though. Yeah. Thinking
0: about <laughs> Actually, you know who was supposed to play Jim in 28 Days Later? Uh, Ewan McGregor? Ewan McGregor, yep. Ah, but nice. they had a falling out because Danny Boyle decided to go with Leonardo DiCaprio for the beach instead of him. So he got mad at him. Well. And then he decided... This, so they didn't talk for a while, but they're friends again. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it sets up this great, great uh, setup... Uh, really interesting potential for characters, for cool, interesting drama to happen. I like the I even kind of like the idea that like um even if, even if the coward father were to be infected, that like we would even kind of revisit the notion that maybe there's a little bit more going on in their heads than they have thought, because um, he's like you know hunting his children kind of yeah which they just they never utilize they never explore any of that stuff. It's very disappointing.
1: After that whole first act, the characters don't really have much of any sort of arc it's just situation 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 and you got nothing to really nothing that's palatable, nothing that you can really relate to or, or you know just slow down and digest it's just:
0: yeah because it would have been interesting if they had made a movie where you watch your main character uh, let a little kid and his wife get eaten or get killed.. <laughs> Legal. I see him! Legal!
3: Legal. John! Help us!
0: Then have to deal Jumping. with that like yeah. and have him redeem himself by the end, yeah, like yeah. what a great movie that would have been <laughs> and no they don't they don 't do any of that he's just this, this snivelly little coward dude, and also they change the rules of the virus, uh, he does not get it infected by blood, he gets invect- infected by just kissing his wife yeah, you find they was... find they find, find his wife. Who they find out is basically uh, she has some sort of natural immunity to the virus, and Which they want to not really get explored <laughs> at all because they don't do anything. Because like you said, it just becomes uh, sequences. It just becomes yeah. set pieces. Um, just one after another. Yeah. There's one cool, like I guess like just like vis- viscerally cool moment is uh, when the helicopter pilot kills all the zombies with uh, the helicopter blades. The turbines just like, yeah, yeah. shut them all
1: <laughs> up. <laughs> Come on, you fucker!
0: Um, But yeah, it's not, it's just, there's just not a lot going on in the movie. I honestly, like, I took like four notes because I was like, I was watching it and I was like, there's really nothing to write. There's really not much to write down here. Um, It's just because it becomes very generic. It becomes very generic in a way that I just didn't like find much, didn't find, couldn't take away much from it, you know?
1: It's almost got, like, as well, the, the, the classic, oh, the U.S. will save the day sort of scenario. And I find it very distracting when it's, you know, uh, Australian Roseburn and, and British Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. Being the Americans. <laughs>
2: what are you afraid of? What if it comes back? It won't come back.
3: What if it does?
2: If it comes back, we kill it. It's cold red.
0: Yeah, I was laughing about that too. I was like, "Oh, they got Idris was playing an American, dude." <laughs> hey, you know. Actually, that probably would have been a pretty early role for him in a movie. It was at the time like
1: none of these actors were were not at their their marvel status yet or their yeah. their, their other Yeah, cuz
0: Renner would have been pretty new, Rose Byrne would have been new. The only one that would have been a seasoned actor would have been Robert Carlyle, really. Mhm. Who I love actually, and that yeah. was one of the most disappointing things. Yeah, they set up for him to have such a good character, just though, or just an interesting character, just like the potential. It was so, it was right there.
3: Yeah, right there,
0: Jeremy. You see
1: it in his eyes as an actor. I mean we've talked about him in depth of how much fun he was having on Ravenous, but like, you know, he, that that one shot where he's like, he's looking back at the house and then just kind of looking on, you know, escaping the horde, saying like, "Oh shit, oh shit!" Like, cause he's just. In a constant panic and he's also realizing like what he did was wrong you know he just abandoned everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a it is a horrific moment. It's yeah. like a real like <gasps> like yeah. when he he cuz his <laughs> Dawn Dawn, she doesn't know what to do cuz the fucking kids there and he's just yeah. like, "Uh, oh, he just opens the window and hops out."
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: just, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I remember actually, I remember when I saw this the first time, like it comes so out of you just don't expect that to happen. Like it's yeah. legitimately shocking. And uh, and then you think that that's going to be the dude you're going to be watching a movie about. And not so much. Nope. Also, what is the deal with the security at this place? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> are the kids are able to get a fucking Vespa from a pizza delivery driver's little go-kart? Not go-kart. What do you call them? That's a Vespa, right? Isn't that
1: what yeah, the, the, yeah, the golf carts were.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever. This little motorcycle thing. And uh, they're able to get out and go into the, the, un, the un-quarantine zone or whatever, the danger, out of the safe zone. They're able to just leave. How tight? Like they have so you see all the pomp and circumstance of the security when the kids show up. Yeah. To show you the the process they have to go through to get in and blah blah blah. And they just and go, go along the bridge. There's just two people there. It's like, it's yeah. Not even, <laughs> and then they just they just go and nobody stops them. And then also was it Robert Carlyle just able to like so he's got his wife who they've just discovered has like this very valuable blood, uh, and he's able to just open the door and go into the room and nobody's around.
1: We're, we're we're missing scenes where like this family in particular just has special access to everything and, and they're not showing it to us
0: <laughs> well it's just like and that's like a it goes along with just like kind of the sequence after sequence thing it's just all so contrived
2: yeah it yeah. does
0: not feel earned and, and nothing about it feels earned and nothing about it feels like it makes any logical sense about like why characters do anything you're just like what the fuck
1: it, even the 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 military call to just Shoot whoever, even if they don't have the virus or not. Just, just fire away at every. Like, I don't know how in the real world that would work out or what that scenario would look like. But it just seemed in the in this in this movie, as far as it's concerned, it just didn't work. It didn't sell it for me.
0: No, but they don't sell it because you don't get enough time with anybody, right? You yeah. don't get enough time with any characters or any situation to really like kind of think that that would be a possibility. Yeah, because uh, the movie is so i mean thankfully it was under it was a pretty quick movie it's an hour and 40 minutes which i was very thankful for yeah uh but <laughs> because i just wanted it to be over <laughs> yeah. i mean like you know they have the part where jeremy renner gets set on fire and i just started laughing <laughs> i, I laughed too ah! Just like, come on, guys! I didn't even know it was like. You know what's crazy? Like, I don't. They did not communicate well enough that even that was like the direness of the situation they were in. I almost like didn't understand. I'm like, oh, if he gets out of the car, they're gonna kill him. I maybe I missed something. I don't sure. know. Maybe I was just like really had checked out because I was just like, oh, why they're setting? They're gonna set him on fire now. He can't get out and be like, yo, boys. i I guess he's a situation he's a public enemy now by that point yeah (laughs) exactly he's like one of these uh he's he's an anti-vaxxer i can't have it there you go the biden administration coming down with flamethrowers uh yeah no it was actually you know i would not say it's like it's not even i would say it's like a bad movie i think it's just pass. it could be passively entertaining uh, but watching it right after watching it twenty eight days later, it's really hard not to just be completely disappointed by it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I had if if it was called something else, maybe I wouldn't feel the same way. Um although I think I would. I think it just fundamentally has problems. Um and like I said, I think it's such a beautiful setup. Like the whole yeah, sure. like up until basically like it's a great movie up until uh his wife comes back yeah and then the movie just completely fo- like collapses in on itself uh, but up until then we're promised some interesting stuff just never comes to fruition uh, it, it, it
1: even just kind of abandons what makes 28 days later so technically interesting to look at and watch because because it, it does like this almost fake grainy filter yeah. To kind of give off the the d v. look, but it's not really doing it. It's just
0: yeah, it's like yeah, it's like weird, and they did like some weird color correction stuff to give yeah. make it like you know
1: and and, and I don't know who the d p on this was. But I think in my letterbox review of it, I said something like, it's like a spurgier uh, Paul Greengrass. It's like he just takes the <laughs> camera like this and just goes, sh- shakes with it so much.
0: Well, you know, that would have been a, probably pretty in vogue at the time because wouldn't that have been around this? I think it's around the same time the, the second Born movie came out, which is what kind of started that shit. Yeah. Uh, who is the DP on this? Well,
1: that's why I can't watch um, the, uh, the uh, Born Supremacy because I, I'll vomit.
0: Oh, really? Did you get sick from that stuff? It's just too shaky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a cinematographer. He's, he actually worked with Danny Boyle on 127 Hours, which makes sense, mm-hmm. actually, because if you think about the shakiness of it all. Um, Deepwater Horizon, The Fifth Wave. He seems like a jobber. Red okay. 2. Yeah. Truders. Okay. Yeah. Repo Men. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't really have much to say about 28 weeks later other than what I have, uh, just because everything that's interesting that could have happened, like I've said ad nauseum in the past 10 minutes, like, it's just squandered.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's It It just falls into a lot of cliches. There's jump scares that are a little bit more active and don't do anything to, to help it at all. And it's just, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a shame. And I think I, I did read up, though, that they are doing... They still plan to do a third film. Um, in June of 2019, Boyle said that he and Garland had discussed preparations for a film, and then
0: look where yeah, we well, ended it, up, it is up. It is on IMDb. Yeah, uh, IMDb is 28 months later. The Rage Infects Europe, coming soon. Its oh. plot is under wraps. There's no information about it. But yeah, I heard that as well, that they were planning on maybe revisiting it. Honestly, this would be the perfect time. Yeah. This, I mean, I, I'd be down. I mean, it's it's weird. I was talking to a friend with this, though. I was like, I
1: don't want... See, I'm very apprehensive about the idea that they might inject a lot of um, COVID-related framework into the movie and less just more of its own sort of organic yeah. Yeah, I know virus talking. storytelling because there was a period where we could have gotten a lot of... Do you remember this? Like, there was a short period where we we're seeing a lot of, like, Zoom meeting movies and TV yes. shows. yeah. I don't want, like, a whole, whole decade uh, the, of
0: that. Wasn't there, the, what was the one that was, like, really popular? Host. Uh, Host, that's the one.
1: That was terrible, dude.
0: <laughs> Host. Yeah, you know, I never really, like, I've i never really spoken about it because I watched it on my laptop while I was playing a video game. So Yeah. I wasn't really invested in it, but I watched it because everybody was talking about it, and every once in a while, like, you know what? Dude, those Shutter movies, most of the time, are not very good.
1: Yeah, they can't.
0: Uh, and anything that has like a Shutter original movie, or whatever you want to call it, is always the cheapest. Like whoever they have working there, their connections, like that that group of people, are hacks. Yeah. they're all fucking hacks. Yeah, I said it, Shutter. I said it. I pay my money. You get my six bucks a month.
1: Yeah, Joe Bob wasn't convincing me. I did not like Fried Berry, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I watched, yeah, I did, I watched, I think I did not finish it, I fell asleep during it, yeah. and I was just like, I'm not going back. But, yeah. you know, I would say Fried Berry, though, at least it it was better than uh, some of the other ones I've watched. I can't even remember their names, they're so forgettable. Yeah. Host was one of them. The, everybody in the horror circles, horror community, oh, it's, this is so amazing, it's the best thing ever. Just like no, guys, <laughs> no. Like even their show, a uh, creep show. Do you watch creep? The-
1: yeah, I watch. I've been. I'm up to date on it. Yeah.
0: I mean, every once, in, like I would say, like one out of six of those ends up being like okay, and yeah. Then, but most of them are just bad. They're just bad. They're just, yeah. Like I don't like. There's. I don't even know what else to say about. them. They're just bad. And the people behind the scenes, you think that you were gonna get something. I don't know, more interesting, but very rarely. Actually, one of, my, one of the ones I actually liked the most was like an, an adaptation, I think, of a Joe Hill or a Stephen King story where Kiefer Sutherland did The Voice. It was one of the animated ones. Okay. It's like a guy on an island. He has to try to survive. It was actually pretty good. That one was pretty good. Okay, okay. But, but yeah, I don't know. General, I don't know. I've, been a, I've not been a, too... Imp- I like Shudder as like an idea. I like that. That's why like, I support them. Because I, I like it as the concept of having like a horror genre streaming service. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'll be honest with you, man. I don't watch it very much. I don't use it very often.
1: No, I mean, there's not a lot of drawing unless, yeah, you're going to something like The Last Drive-In or if you're just there for a lot of the classics that they sometimes bring back. Because there's a lot of films um, I'd always been... Meet, like. I got the first time I made a Shutter account was when I decided to see the movie Ken Russell's uh, The Devils because it was yeah, I was like, Holy yeah. shit! I gotta watch this now. The Devils burn.
2: An explosive film, absolutely brilliant. ABC TV, superbly, frighteningly effective. Time Magazine.
4: But of course I can prove nothing. This mother superior may be little more than a hysterical nun. Exactly, mere conjecture.
0: And what form does this incubus take?
2: The Devils
4: is not a film for everyone. Vanessa Redgrave, Oliver Reed, in Ken Russell's film of The Devils.
0: Well, yeah. yeah exactly yeah no no i i do think for curation and the stuff that they do get on this on the service is actually admirable and that's why i like i like to like give them some money because they yeah. do yeah. cycle in some stuff and it's bringing some classics to the attention of a like new generation there's a lot of like younger people that are hooked into shutter and stuff like that and now they all like write about how they're all secretly like queer movies but Like that's there's a whole wing of horror Twitter. That's all they do. Everything is a is a secretly a queer movie. And you're like, okay, whatever.
1: Yeah, we're bringing bringing you a second installment of horror noir. Like what the
0: hell? You just made that up. Oh my god, horror noir. That documentary. yeah. Yeah, where it was like the the girl from The Craft talking for most of the movie about how she thinks everything is racist. Yeah, I was like. Man, we're giving a lot of airtime to the girl from The Craft. Like, can we listen to... Can Tony Todd get in here? Yeah, I like his voice. Can we just get back to him? i was actually, you know, just as a little tangent, like, I know we're kind of just going everywhere, but that's sure. the magic of 28 weeks later. Um, uh, Tony Todd... Like, they talk shit about Tony Todd in that movie. About oh, they Candyman. They talk mad shit about Candyman. About how it's like some colonizer movie. Like, like... It's like how nasty are you people? Jesus Christ, Tony Tony Todd's in this documentary. Like, yeah. have some, like have some fucking respect.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: he's in, uh, was he in the uh, the new one? I didn't see the new Candyman. I did. I saw the new Candyman. It is not great. Um, he's a, he has a cameo. I don't want to spoil it for anybody that may, maybe wants to see it, but he does have a very brief cameo. Okay. They basically they they ruined Candyman.
1: <laughs> That's what I gather.
0: I was. And I'm not a huge Candyman like franchise fan. Like I like I think the first movie is pretty good for what it is. It's like a yeah. gothic horror thriller movie. Uh, I've never like I've never thought of of Candyman as like one of the boogeymen like a Jason or a Freddy. I've just never really made that connection with that character. But um, and I'm not very familiar with its two sequels. But I I do enjoy the first one. And this and the new one is a direct sequel of the first one. And, uh, yeah, they, they just do kind of what they do with horror movies now. Anything that's, like, a sequel from a movie that came out 30 years ago, they just do, like, a deconstructionist take on the material. Yeah. And and it's just, it's just kind of boring. It's just not, like, it's not as subversive as they think it is. And then it's, you know, they inject a lot of modern-day politics with, like, kind of police stuff and gentrification. This whole movie is about gentrification. And they will tell you that ad nauseum, like every five minutes somebody brings up gentrification.
1: Uh, <laughs> that, it's seeped into like I, I sound like a broken record whenever I talk about the horror genre, but it's seeped into it so deep where it's like it's really hard to find
0: dude, like, that woke quality horror movies. Dude, that woke community took over horror. Like it's yeah. a it is a not a good landscape right now. It's not yeah. interesting. It's the most like and it's it's all very boring and vanilla because they don't like, they they only want to, like, offend the people they think, like, purposefully. Like, they're not doing it... I don't know. What's the, what's the right way to put it? Like, there's a way to, like, make provocative genre stuff that is offensive in a certain respect. But the way they want to construct the offensiveness is to, like, mm. just call people evil. This group of people evil and everybody else is good. And it's just very, like, directed. It's not... Like I'm not making any sense. I'm not. I'm not. Co- this. These thoughts are not coherent. But like, um.
1: I get what you're saying. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's just like it's woke politics in movies, and it's, and it's in the horror genre. Like the last play- and that's the thing that pisses me off the most, Jeremy. I got to tell you, these people spend their entire lives, careers, their all their time, fucking talking about how awesome this fucking rape flick from 1976 is, and then like be offended. About something that would come out in a movie today, you're like, "What the fuck, guys? It's a movie. It's a yeah. movie, <laughs> Oh my God, yeah, like all everybody that works at Fangoria, my wife got me as a gift. Uh, she got me a subscription to the new Fangoria. okay. We, we canceled that shit and got our money back. Good, good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like on uh, one of my earlier episodes on on uh, my podcast, uh, Fleep It After Dark, we covered um. The house on the edge of the park, and it's 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 ninety minutes of David Hess uh, harassing women and, and cutting them and 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 raping. Yeah, them, and it's just yeah.
0: <laughs> Doing that classic David Hess stuff. Yeah. I saw. You know, I have not seen that movie, and I've been waiting to. I, but I found a copy of it, so I'm going to watch it before I, I listen to your podcast. But uh, nice. Yeah, because I was like, oh, cool. I actually I did, was not very familiar with that. I mean, I know who David Hess is, obviously, but sure. Um, I was not familiar with that one.
1: He, oh. he, he's an actor I've always, I mean, it's a shame that, uh, he passed away, but I have always wanted to work with him. Like after seeing him in last house on the left, like when I was again, going on my early horror journey, I was just like, yeah. Oh, this guy's like really something.
0: <laughs> well, cause we came up in a time like, you know, and I know you're a little younger than me, but like all of this stuff was reissued on DVD. Yeah. Like when we were growing up, like, so when I was like in my late teens and you would have been at the time you were starting to get into like movies. All of it was starting to come out on DVD, and none of it was super expensive either. Because I used to own every, every movie dude, that I bought for like $5 back in 2004 now costs $35 from fucking Shout Factory. It's so frustrating. <laughs> and a lot the- of times they don't, even port the, they don't even port over all the special features. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it's just like, how many, discs do, how many copies of the thing do I have to carry around with me? Yeah. Which I, gotta, I, got the, I need another copy of the thing coming in the mail, Jeremy. Gotta <laughs> get that 4K, dude.
1: Well, he's like, look, with all the problems in the world and all the struggles and everything, you, you gotta understand the hustle of the the film collector. <laughs> it's, it's tough God. for us. It's <laughs> tough
0: out there. It's tough out there. It's fun, though. It's part of the hunt. Although, I do, like, I, it's, it's not as fun as it used to be because now it's all, all online now. Yeah. I used to really love going to, like, just places that could buy movies, flea markets, the thrill of the hunt. Because that that was a time where not everything was immediately available to you at the f- touch of your fingers at any moment. Mm-hmm. I used to have to go drive ninety minutes to a mall somewhere, to the Good Mall, to go like find like the obscure DVD so I could go buy like Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles for thirty five dollars. You know, yeah. like <laughs> now, but that that reality is not that doesn't exist anymore. Now I can just go check online. I could probably rent it for two dollars. You know. I had a very robust collection because I was working from a very young age. I had a job when I was a teenager, so, and I spent all my money on movies and driving to malls to buy movies, driving yeah. places to find them. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a different, it's a different paradigm nowadays. It's not as fun as it used to be, but mm-hmm. it's still there. It's still there. Definitely, I, I got a kick out of going. There's a place near where I live called Big Lots. Okay. And they they have a lot of 2 and 3 dollar movies so you'll find blu-rays that were like around like 5 or 6 years ago and now they're at big lots so i i always go in there and get a bunch of stuff now right now they have a bunch of paramount movies picked up the equalizer 2 the other day very exciting all right all right <laughs> Let um, me know
1: if, uh, uh, in that movie, if Denzel Washington touches his chin, because he does that in every movie, apparently. I, don't, I never picked up on that, but
0: I, guess. <laughs> I mean, I've never picked up on that either. <laughs> yeah. I love me some Denzel, dude, though. I'd watch, you know, what? Denzel should have been in 28 Weeks Later. Yeah. Would have made that much movie much better. At least I would have had Denzel, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 28 Days Later, I, I was really, uh, really enjoyed the Revisit. It had been a while since I'd actually, like, really, like, sat down and watched it. Um, Just because I watched it so much when I was, uh, when it came out. It's one of those movies that, like, even though it had been, like, six or seven years since I'd really watched it, it felt like I had watched it, like, the day before. Like, that's how many times I've seen that movie. Um, 28 Weeks Later? No. No. Yeah, cut that for your life. (laughs) I'm I'm still going to have to keep it on the shelf because it'll drive me crazy to know that it exists, and then I have to have them next to each other for posterity. That's what I'd call it. 20 Weeks Later, like, terrible cover by comparison, by the way. I know. Look at this cheap, like, exactly. It looks like a fucking, like a, like, oh, like one of those cheapo knockoff movies that you find, like the Asylum movies that you'd find at, like, Walmart for $7. It's just no thought or no care at all. <laughs> just lame. Just lame. Yeah, oh, I, Although, I mean, honestly, I wish that the eyes weren't on this one. I think you could get rid of the rage eyes. Okay, sure. I think you could get rid of that. Although, oh, it's probably a reference to something. I always
1: thought they were like, when I first saw the cover, it was two suns or something, but I, Star Wars did that already with their moons. or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, um, But I would say, like, yeah, like, uh, especially with 28 Days Later, like, I also just kind of overall appreciate for the time that it Mm -hmm. came out, and it really lends to just the stylistic and really intriguing visual nature of it, because there were other movies, too, that were also really playing with digital video at that age, and you can say the cinema landscape kind of was changing post-9-11, and quite heavily so, but I, I do have such nostalgia for that period, and I hope I'm myself. am trying to bring that back a little bit. I hope others are out there who have some respect for it or some nostalgia for it too. I
0: think I think it is coming back in a way because there is kind of like this reinvigorated sense of the DIY kind of sense because now everybody theoretically it's very like it's never been easier to make a movie, and yeah. uh, people kind of going back, and then now there's a generation of people now that are in positions. To start making stuff, uh, that are familiar with that, they have nostalgia for that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, I have nostalgia for it, like we talked about. Like I really do. Like it takes me, it's like a time capsule. Watching something like Twenty Eight Days Later It takes me back to a, a different part of my life. Same thing when I watch um, uh, David Lynch's Inland Empire. Have you ever seen that?
1: It's on my list, but I saw you reviewed it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's um, it is, it's all, it's it's even more like mini D V. Then 28 Days Later is. It's even more apparent that that's what they were using. It's a very mm-hmm. hard movie to find, actually, nowadays. Okay. I, did, I torrented that, okay? I used to own it. I used to own it. Hey, uh, with Thanksgiving
1: coming up soon, like if, you guys, if, if anybody out there who's listening, or even you, Sean, if you haven't seen um Pieces of April, uh, that's a classic one, too. That's also shot on digital video. Uh, who's in that again? It's... Um,
0: Oh man, I I don't know if I've seen this. It sounds so familiar.
1: Yeah, uh, but the, I mean, the, in the realm of Thanksgiving theme movies, there's not many, and that's a that's a good one. I'd I'd recommend to anybody.
0: Okay, cool. It's like uh, Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes, yep. Okay, two thousand three. Yep, came out. I mean, a year after Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah, it really was the thing for a minute, huh?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the, yeah, the uh, the mini dv stuff. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Yeah, this was a a ton of fun, and uh, I didn't know I'd have so much more to to say about 20 Days Later, but it was really good to revisit that. Uh, Probably not going to watch 28 Weeks Later, except for maybe Uh, the opening scene
0: ever again. (laughs) I know. Why? Just be mad mad that it doesn't live up to that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so where can people find you, Jeremy?
1: Yeah, so um, you can follow me over at Moby. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Letterboxd. Um, you can also keep up with me on SoundCloud, where I run the Fleep It After Show program. Uh, new episode, uh, I, I, this episode. This episode of 20 Days Later is going to come out a bit later than when I say this, but September 8th will be the, the, the date or the release for my latest Fleep it After Dark episode, On the Way of the Gun. So get excited for that one. And, and then, McCoy, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, uh, working on a couple other, uh, short uh, films at the moment. Stewie the Demon Swine is a quasi documentary that's coming out very soon about my friend's demon pig. It's not really that evil. I just make it, I play it up, you know. Yeah. And then, uh, uh another short film called Tape Deck, which is, uh, in the re edit stages. And people want to see these, so I'm trying to get them done.
0: So, awesome, dude. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm really looking forward to those. Um, yeah, and I'll have as, as many of those links as I can in the description so you can go follow Jeremy's stuff. And go check out Fleet It After Dark. It's a great podcast. He's always talking about kind of, a, I would say, off-the-beaten-path movies. And, uh, and like just like we talked about that David Hess movie that he had mentioned before, it, I get I learn stuff and I get introduced to new things. So I, I really enjoy it myself. Um, and for everybody else, you know where to find me. Uh, links to the description for that stuff on Twitter at Zoobox and that's probably the best place to get a hold of me. Especially if you want to talk movies, want to talk shit, come find me over on Twitter. Alright, everybody. Thank you again, Jeremy. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be on. Thanks. Adios! Bye.